too. We have, we're mug twins. They're like the same, huh? What do you have on the, the other side? The other side I have the Talk Deezy to Me script. Mm. I don't know if you can see it. I did the big one. Aw. Oh, that looks good on that mug. Yeah, I thought the bulk, the like chunkiness of the font would look good with the, yeah, the bold. You know what I'm wishing lemon. I had done is added smaller versions of our other logos around this because this version leaves so much space. It does. Which is fine. I don't mind that. Like, especially on, like, a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. But I was like, oh, I could have added, like, smaller versions of, like, all of our logos kind of surrounding it, almost like a gallery wall, but on my mug. Yeah. But it's fine. I'm- I I love it. But that lemon – and Hannah sent me a picture the other day. Did you see? She tagged the podcast Instagram, so you probably didn't see it. But um, she bought a lemon t-shirt and, like, Aww. put it on and, like, posted and everything. Mm-hmm. So um, – yeah, like everyone was getting their merch before we did. I was like, what the I know. heck? Like I ordered I barely this- got that. Yeah. I'm still waiting and, on my to-go mug. And look, I don't know if you can oh see Oh my really. gosh, it's so cute. Wait, hang on. I'll back out really quick. Okay, ready? Look at the back. <gasps> oh my gosh, I love it. We're just talking about it. our merch, you guys. We love it as much oh, as you guys do. Oh, are we already do. recording? Uh-huh. I was like totally munching into the microphone. How? <laughs> awful how disgusting (laughs) i'm so sorry listen every week i'm like i don't know how you guys listen because do you remember when we first started this podcast (laughs) and you know we had like 10 listeners and i well so would you but we would switch off editing yes and we would both painstakingly go through the entire oh episode looking for certain ticks in – because you guys, like, if any of you are familiar with audio, like, when we get it, you can kind of see, like, the sound bars. And there are certain ways they look when you make a mouth noise or, like, when your tongue clicks. And <laughs> and Ashley and I would scroll through every, like, nanosecond of footage mm-hmm. looking for these little ticks to get rid of them so you would never hear us, like, smack our lips – because it drove it drives both of us so crazy that I was like, I don't I, know. I can't handle it. And I'm like, yeah. I don't know how our listeners can. But then I just stopped caring because it was taking like yeah. five hours to edit an episode that was only an hour long. Mm-hmm. And so not, not not like these days. Not like these <laughs> days when we're like pushing two and a half hours every single week. So I was like, can you imagine how long it would take to edit an episode if we went through and tried to find every single mouth noise? We would lose our minds. It would be terrible. Yeah. You know, I, I know that some people like that. Like there are YouTube videos of people eating stuff that people somehow think is relaxing. Ooh, like and ASMR? It, yes. It's – I – oh, oh, I just got full body chills even just thinking about it because <laughs> it is so disgusting to me. I cannot even – even some people, if I'm just sitting at the dinner table with them – and they're just loud, kind of like smacking their lips as they eat. Uh-huh. Even that, sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, can you please not do that? But to seek out somebody eating? On purpose. Oh, I can't. I, mean, I can't. I would probably watch an entire compilation of Karem eating. Yeah, but you probably wouldn't be hearing him make those noises. But even w- if he was, see- I guarantee oh, you I would put up with it. <laughs> Why does it gross me out so badly? Like, <laughs> it doesn't gross me out to watch him eat or to watch people eat. That's no, not I know the what you're saying. At all. It's the yeah. sound of like the chewing mm-hmm. and the and the smacking and yes. Well, yes. I will say this. 
I do not like when people talk with food in their mouth. Like, if you have a mouthful yeah. of food and you're trying to talk, well, like – that's just kind of rude. <laughs> well, it, yeah. But it's not even the rudeness that gets – it's it's all the noises and usually the stuff flying out of your mouth as you do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways. um, Yeah. So, hi, you guys. Welcome to Dizzy for Dizzy. Uh <laughs> In the first, what, four and a half minutes of us uh, admiring, we got our merch in finally. Yay. And, like, all of you guys were getting I your merch. I got one of my items, though. Well, I got one a couple days ago, and then I finally got my hoodie last night. That's what I was showing Ashley in the beginning when I was like, let me turn around and show you. Because I got it with our um, Senchal Kapma logos with the robot and the rose and all that on the front of the hoodie. The and icons. Then on, yes, the icons. And then on the back, I got this, the um, – the robot and flowers and uh, princes and stars. So I love it so much. And it's a comfy zip-up hoodie. I probably could have gone down a size and still been oversized, but oh well, it's fine. Um, I've done the same thing. Yeah. I mean, it's just nicely over. It's very oversized, but it's cozy and that's fine. So yeah. Because, you know, we're on stay-at-home orders anyways again, so... Yep, so all the comfy clothes are needed. Amen. So anyhow, you guys, uh, welcome. I'm Kristen. I'm Ashley. Sorry, I had to cough. That's okay. And uh, we're talking about Central Kapama Volume 21 today. Mm-hmm. Um, Ashley has a meeting after this, so <laughs> hopefully we get it all done. If not, it'll be in two parts and you'll have to wait a little bit later till I can put them both together. But um, luckily, I was telling Ashley yesterday, it seems like there's a few of the side storylines we can kind of compress and um, that way we can just really talk about like the meat of the episode. Yeah. Although I will say every single scene in this episode felt like it was leading somewhere. Like I didn't feel like there was parts that you could like skip and then when those stories continue next week, like not be confused, which I always yeah. appreciate. Like it didn't feel super fillery to me. Um, yeah, this I, – I loved this episode. Me too. It was I – fe- I felt like the whole episode was just delicious. Like – yeah. That, I felt like that was the word to describe this episode was delicious. A hundred percent. So um, I will – there's just a couple um, housekeeping things. And sorry if you can hear Jack growling in the background, you guys. He's on neighborhood watch apparently on the back of the couch. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously most of the stuff we'll discuss at the end with like the fragment and theories and all that. I did – there's a letter we got from um, – I talk to her all the time on Instagram, and it's never once occurred to me to ask her how to properly pronounce her name. So I'm probably going to butcher it. I'm so sorry. Please correct me. But uh, Rahman, I believe, is her name. At least that's part of her Instagram name, so I'm making a giant assumption here. (laughs) But she wrote, actually, the end of last month, and I loved her insight about Celine. And I've been meaning to share it every single week and I keep Mm. forgetting. So I want to share that really quickly, especially before we go into this episode. Um, So she had said, I've been thinking about how Celine – I'm sorry. I've been thinking about Celine and you know how people have made comments about the show hasn't been able to write a good villain. Khan's character fell flat. Same with F.A. She said, "Um, well, Celine has been the real villain, the real villain the entire time and a good one. Think about it. She brought Ferry into the company, which caused the contract to get exposed. Mm. Ferry, Ferry brought in F.A., which, uh, well, Celine kind of did too because she's the one who – oh, no, it says Ferry brought in F.A. first. Yes, that's right. I forgot. Duh. That whole 
thing yep. where Sarkon eviscerated him in episode 10. Yep. Uh, so Ferit brought in Efe, which then Selene further escalated by selling her shares to him. And then all of the drama of episode 20. She's either had a direct or indirect hand in so many of the main problems, and that's not even including what she's done to cause misunderstandings and tension between Serkan and Edda on purpose. Wow. And she did all this while maintaining her persona of being a good person. She was untouchable for so long, and that even Melo was falling for this shit. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think Aisha did a good job in writing a real-life villain instead of a dramatic character that was just there to cause problems and nothing more. So really, mm. she was just fully stepping into her role when these last few episodes have hit. And I'm kind of like, okay, I, I'm i down with that. Like, Yeah, that's a really good observation. That she's been a subtle villain this whole time, not just yeah. an out and loud like Eileen from EK or Khan from the second we met him. Yeah. Um, well, and a lot of villains, if you think about it, a lot of villains, their motivation – I mean, not all, but many villains, mm -hmm. like especially with Eileen, her – I mean, her motivation was revenge. But when it came down to it, many villains, their their whole motivation, the purpose, the whole reason why they do what they do is because they're in it for themselves. Mm -hmm. They're selfish. And how has Celine been acting this whole time? Yeah. She's been selfish. She's been in it for herself, whether it's with Ferit Everything with Serkan, just everything. It's yeah. all about Selene. Yep. And she has now verbalized that in saying that she doesn't want Serkan to be happy if she's not happy. So mm -hmm. now I – wow, that's very good. <laughs> uh-huh. I loved it. And so it's like, crap, I keep forgetting. And it's so – it's such good insight. Um, but I feel like now it's even more powerful that I've waited until the last couple episodes to read it as oh, we've yeah. seen Selene unfold and fold more. And then uh, on that same note of Selene uh, – uh, again, I should have asked this sweet girl has written – she's in our group. She's written us lovely emails, messages on Instagram. Um, Mushki, but it also says Chaya or Kaya in parentheses. Um, she wrote and said, just finished to the latest – just finished listening. Sorry, you guys. I cannot enunciate today. To the latest podcast episode, meaning 20. Uh, and it was great as always. I just wanted to write in one comment for volume 20. I don't think I've heard it mentioned yet, but just wanted to point out Celine's restaurant swap was actually poetic justice from her perspective. She did to Edda and Serkan what Serkan did to her in episode Ooh, 11. Yeah. He left her waiting in a restaurant and never showed. So, and Celine's mentioned many times how upsetting that was for her. So I thought it was mm. great writing to have her make them experience the same thing. Mm -hmm. Wow. I know. I love you all so much. And I have to tell you, too, when we get to this, the end of the episode, when there's a very specific lettuce that is mentioned, uh -huh. I lost count at how many of you were flooding the Twitter <laughs> and Instagram inboxes with information about the plants and lettuce mentioned. Like, seriously, I did not have to do one Google search on my own about it because people were just like, oh, my gosh, you know they mentioned that name on purpose. So it has to mean something, right? Oh, like, my gosh. I love it. <laughs> Like, it brought me so much joy. I was just like, I love this so, so much. So to each and every one of you who sent that in, you all get the credit for any of the information we share about it because – I love it. I just screenshotted all the messages about them. Like, there's no uh, – yeah. I The list would be forever if I had to, if I gave them all individual credit. But, like, just thank you all so, so much. That's so um, awesome. Yeah. So – 
Anyhow, um, everything else I think can wait till the end. So okay. uh, let's let's start diving into that really sad Celine's poetic justice scene. <laughs> yeah. So um, in in regards to that, mm-hmm. and as like a an adjacent thing, mm-hmm. um, thank you to the people who made me my edits. <laughs> we asked for. Oh, oh yes. my gosh. You guys. We got like you, three. Three Coldplay edits this week. And then that whole Twitter thread of – okay, guys. From Sarah? I, maybe I wasn't clear about this, but I I love Coldplay. So that – yes, that whole Twitter thread of Coldplay lyrics that uh, along For, with, uh-huh. um, you know, Ed Sarah scenes and clips, that was like the most beautiful thing to my heart <laughs> because I love Coldplay and Coldplay was like one of the first um, kind of big outings that that Eric and I did together before we even had verbalized that we like each other, uh-huh. that we liked each other. We Is that when you guys Coldplay. all drove to Vegas? Yes, we all drove to Vegas just for the night just to see Coldplay in concert. Ashley left me home alone all by myself, you guys. Oh, brother. We had another roommate, Kristen. <laughs> well, she was – Whatever. <laughs> We love Mel, but she would. You have maybe she was. You didn't even, even want to go. I you probably didn't buy did. I probably we offered didn't. a ticket to you, and you weren't interested. <laughs> well, okay, I was. Don't dumb. try to paint me as a bad guy here. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> oh. Anyway, <laughs> so like the Viva La Vida specifically has like a very special place in my heart. But mm-hmm. I've loved Coldplay for a long time. So seeing those lyrics with the Ed Sarah scenes, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so beautiful. So I just want to say thank you guys for for the edits. Thank you, um, you know, for – I don't know if that thread was for me, but that thread was beautiful. So just so to I give guess her credit. I found it because she added to it and tagged us in one of the tweets. Okay. With the lines from um, – Till Kingdom, Kingdom Come. Come. Yeah. But then I saw, I was like, oh, she attached this to an entire thread. She's been running for months now. Like, Oh, so, so she's been doing it for months. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Girl. Uh-huh. Good for her. That's amazing. Early bird, early bird Maven on Twitter if you guys want to check it out. Wow. Um, yeah. So anyways. And I'm sorry. We are going to start talking, I promise. But now I we're know, talking about sorry. music. Taylor Swift is dropping another album tonight. Like, wow. This is her third album. Since last August in 16 months. And Girl's usually being productive in a pandemic. She is. And like it's the sister album to the one she just dropped in July. So mm. I'm like really excited. And I'm like, okay, 17 new Ed Sarah songs, clearly. And <laughs> that on one to- was called Folklore, right? Yes. And this look at me with my T Swift so- knowledge. <laughs> I'm very proud of you right now. So this one is called Evermore. And she has another duet with uh, Bonnie Vare on it mm. and um, a couple of other ones now that I can't remember. I was just really excited about his because um, nice. their their songs like one of my favorites on Folklore. So I'm really nice. looking forward to what the flip side of that is going to be awesome. on, on Evermore. Um, but I woke up to – I'm not even kidding – like 27 notifications oh, from sure people in DZ land <laughs> In the Facebook group, on Twitter, like all of you wanting to make sure in WhatsApp, in like Instagram, That's all so of you funny. are like, Kristen, 
she's dropping another <laughs> album tonight. Can you believe it? And it just made my heart so happy that like you guys know us that well and like care and want to make sure. So it was like the coolest way to wake up with like a million notifications that are like, Kristen, Taylor Swift has another album coming out. There, so. Well, our our listeners are the best. I was just telling Kristen that I got a message from, from another person, from Christy this time, telling me that she started Throne of Glass because all these people have, have started it now. And I was like, that's so cool, <laughs> you guys. I love anyway. it. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, all right. We'll six- stop waxing poetic about how wonderful you all are. But we love you. Yes. So back to this sad scene. <laughs> yes. So they're waiting and slowly realizing we're all happy. And I'm like, yeah, they're waiting. Oh. Hooray. <laughs> <laughs> But it, it was delicious angst, though. Honestly, honestly. And their slow realization is so painful and beautiful at the same time mm-hmm. that, like, oh, my gosh, he's not coming. She's not coming. Yeah. And I – it's one of those things where I know mm-hmm. why Edda didn't second guess and just call him mm-hmm. to make sure everything was okay. But it was still hard to see. Yeah. So it was just sad. Yeah. So they wait. Obviously, the other one never comes. And then they both end up – well, she heads home with the girls. And then Sarkhan ends up heading to go see Angan. Yes. Yeah, we get the whole parallel conversations with their besties. Like, Mm -hmm. she's like, that's it. I'm done. You know, he's the one who invited me and then didn't show up. So, like – I give up. And then he's on the flip side telling Angan, even though he had just said if she doesn't show up, I I'll know that she's, you know, there's no hope and I'll and I'll leave mm-hmm. her alone. He's now telling Angan, I'll never give up on her. Yes, and I loved that. Even though he's like, Well, she obviously has no interest in me. She even gave the ring back. Mm-hmm. So that felt like confirmation to him. Right. That she's just totally done. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, she thinks I won't change. And she's like, he'll never change. <laughs> and But yeah, I love that he's like, I'm never going to give up on her. Yeah, that was the biggest takeaway. They say other yeah. things that are, you know, the exact opposite of each other. But, mm-hmm. you know, because she's like, I'm just going to be focused on work, work, work then if that's what he's all about. And he's, of course, like – well, I'm going to keep to the terms of the contract so I can spend as much time as possible with her. Like, mm-hmm. so yeah, he's also going to be about, quote, work, 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 because that's all he's allowed to talk to her about. But his mm-hmm. motivation is hers is to distance herself and his is to get closer to her. Yep. And yeah. any chance he gets. And mm-hmm. boy, does he follow through with that. That was, I think, the big deliciousness to me in this episode was and- Serkan every time being like, Where's Edda? I have to be by Edda. <laughs> well, and how publicly loud he is this oh, yeah. episode. He had like boy is like, I don't care. If he, mm-hmm. if this is not a Luke Danes, I'm all in. Oh my gosh. Like oh my gosh. I don't know what is. Yeah. Because yeah. we've talked about like grand gestures don't mean anything to so he could, you know, put the writing in the sky, all this other stuff, but that like that won't do anything for Edda. Like, yeah. And these to me make – By the way, she still doesn't know that he saved the florist shop. I know. I'm like, but, I know. But, I, but I'm knows. saying as far as as yeah. far as far grand gestures, mm-hmm. like if he wanted to pull out some grand gesture, he right. could throw that in there. But he's not doing that. Right. Yeah. Anyway. Because he, number one, didn't do it as a grand gesture. 
he just wanted to help them and which is exactly like his personality but i'll get into that at the end um yeah so these gestures are not only genuine but that's what makes them more grand than an actual grand gesture yep and i really hope that that's like sinking in for her Mm -hmm. um and i really hope we see that like in action on her part like the fact that she actually realizes what he's done um next episode so Mm -hmm. anyways not that we're not getting ahead of ourselves but anyhow (laughs) so they've kind of made up their minds um edda gets home realizes she still has to now go deal with the whole i fair nose thing yeah so the girls leave her alone to deal with that and if they you know they have a they have a sad bittersweet moment like yeah you know she's not upset at edda she's like you're not the one who needs to be apologizing they kind of hash out you know the details that listen i don and Sarkon didn't know this is just on alptakeen and she's like well i'm gonna give him a piece of my mind whether you already did or not he hasn't heard from me yet right um, but she also is like okay even if it's not their fault and i'm not mad at them for this mm-hmm. haven't they put you through enough haven't you been through enough you know instead of Sarkon confiding in you and getting through this with you. He left you. Right. You know, you have done all this stuff to help Idon, and she didn't tell you either. Like, mm-hmm. um, and so she's basically like, please, please, like, they just put you through so much. Like, just sever ties professionally, personally. I only want you to have people who bring joy into your life. Yes. And Edda promises. She's like, do you promise? And Edda does promise. But I, I felt like that wording was very purposeful because, mm-hmm. yes, she's not promising to never talk to Serkan or Aidan Specifically. or Altekin mm-hmm. ever again. She's promising to only have people in her life who bring her joy. Yep. And I'm like, well, there it is. There's the in because mm-hmm. that's all he really wants in the first place is to bring her joy. So absolutely, this is how we're going to work our way around and into this promise to really lean into it because Serkan is going to make her happy. Yep. Absolutely. So, okay. Let's go over some of these side plots here and summarize them okay. until we get to their pivotal points. Until we get to their pivotal points in the episode and we can go into more detail. But basically, um, F.A., we have a few different times throughout the episode that he's chatting with who is clearly Baba Ane. Explaining, yes. like, I'm finalizing everything because I'll be back in Italy. I'm doing what I can to get you another 5% of the shares, which he kind of bounces between Ferry and Celine for those. Um, and warns both of them, like, hey, things are – when my partner comes, like, things may get difficult. So it might be smart for you to actually just bow out and sell these shares, um, neither of which are interested in doing so. Right. But he does – And he keeps saying that. It's mm-hmm. like he clearly means to be almost threatening about this. Right. Like things are going to be really – become really terrible for you, blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. So I'm like, well, if that ain't bad foreshadowing, then – Yeah, I agree. But neither one of them are interested in selling their shares. He kind of leaves Federi alone. But then he gets a little bit of information that winds up helping him being a be able to – uh, blackmail Celine into hers because mm-hmm. um, F- uh, Ferry winds up telling Jaren, you know, that we – he winds up confessing because Jaren's digging into this whole paparazzi thing. Yes. At Serkan's request yes. because he – not because he's worried about his reputation. No. Because he's – because ups- they made Edda pass out. Yes. And they hurt and he's her. like, whoever does that will, will be held accountable. Absolutely. And we all swooned out of our chairs and yes. died. Yep. We sure did. 
So as Joren's digging that, she, you know, she's smart. So she starts to pick up on, you know, it's the same paparazzi, blah, blah, Because our girl is very smart. And I love that she really got to shine this episode mm-hmm. just as her character and as a lawyer and all of that. Um, so Fairy does wind up confessing to her, like, why he doesn't want her to follow that trail. Mm-hmm. Because of the whole, he's the, really the reason behind the leak of the contract, and then Celine covered it up so that Serkan wouldn't get upset. Right. All this stuff, and he, you know, basically is now going to get the opportunity. Jaren's like, okay, and he, because you know, he's like, I never even wanted to keep this a secret to begin with. It feels good that I got it out, and and Jaren's like, okay, then listen, you need to tell Serkan because I can't yep. do anything with this information legally. Like, there's mm-hmm. nothing I can do to help, but. You can tell Serkan so that he knows what happens and then let the cards fall where they may. It's his choice to forgive you. It's his choice to this. And Federite winds up agreeing with that. And then we'll yes. get to the crux of what happens when we actually get to that scene because it's, you know, kind of something big with Celine happens. Um, right. So, yeah, F.A. basically is doing that. He winds up blackmailing, trying to blackmail Celine. And uh-huh. he keeps – and there's several times before he leaves that he tells Edda, like, I want you to take over my clients. This one's very mm-hmm. important to me. I've known this person a long time. Um, so I trust you to take care of it. And then he, yeah. we kind of bid him farewell. So Yeah, he kind of has his goodbyes with uh, the people at the company mm-hmm. in different scenes, even though we see him afterwards. Uh, but, yeah, that's – it's – clearly closing the door on F.A.'s character. He's even got a plane ticket by the end of the episode for the next day, and he's right. leaving for sure. Yep. So, so. Then we get Engin and Pearl, and This they, was so cute. It was really cute. And, guys, I don't know if this is well known. The only reason I know this is because I ended up seeing something maybe on YouTube of Yeah, uh, an interview. You, you shared it. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I shared it in our group, but Bashak actually was in the States for a year or two to be a um, an exchange student in America. And so she is fluent in English, mm-hmm. as we could tell, very mm-hmm. much so. Um, but we get a little clip of Bashak speaking English into her telephone, and her and Engin are all snuggled up, and it's really cute. It is very um, cute. But the, the main situation with these two right now is that they're doing a project for some famous chef Alexander mm-hmm. and he is very picky and demanding as so many of these clients apparently are uh-huh. and they only have two days to get everything taken care of and what? there's a whole list I know two days for everything right for everything <laughs> it we just gotta file that under six minute dryer logic because apparently yeah. art life can whip out like entire reconstruction remodeling mm-hmm. projects in a impossible matter of impossible ones because they're mm-hmm. always impossible too mm-hmm. in 48 <laughs> hours or yeah. less so they've got two days to make all the adjustments to his specifications and then um angin in his sleepy stupor <laughs> drops the bomb that his mom wants to meet her uh-huh. which is kind of funny i'm like haven't you guys known each other for years how have your parents not met i know each other anyway i know but uh, yeah, that sparks a whole thing where she she's nervous about it. She's like, mm-hmm. "Aren't we moving too quickly?" And he's like, "You'll be fine. Whatever go back goes back to sleep." But it starts the whole train of sh- they decide to practice this mm-hmm. meeting on Idon to help with her nerves, and then w- that will lead to the eventual confusion later on at the house. Yes, so. yes. So. 
Now we have um, Melo and Edda. It's the next morning. Mm-hmm. And Melo and Edda have arrived at work. They're kind of chit-chatting, you know, because, you know, just about Melo's new job and how she's enjoying it. You know, but Erdem is drama. They kind of <laughs> – we have – we see some bickering with them and stuff in competition. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sarah Con arrives. And Melo's like, peace on out of here. I got to go to work. And, like, leaves them in the mm-hmm. lobby. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have these very snarky but passive-aggressive greetings, like, good night, Din. And then it's like, uh, good night, Din. And he's like, listen, we have a meeting about the golf resort. Can you come to my office? And she's like, I'll be – and she's like, yeah, I'll be there. And he's like, oh, you will? You'll be there? And she's like, yes. If I said I'd be somewhere, I'd be somewhere. And he's like, okay, then I'll be waiting. And she's like, oh, will you? Will you wait? Like, <laughs> or will you have business and leave suddenly? <laughs> uh-huh. So they're both clearly being uh, salty about the what they think happened yeah. to the other one the night before. So yeah. um, I love it. So – and then, you know, he he basically is like, um, don't worry. I'm going to honor the contract. And she's like, don't try because you won't change Sir Combolat. Mm-hmm. And well, then, then she drops that she's gonna leave when after Fa leaves. Yep. And he, you can see the panic in his face immediately. Oh yeah, because then she just walks off after that too. Yep. And then because, Celine comes and taunts him. Yeah, Snake Lean. I saw someone calling her. <laughs> so walks in and she's like, "Oh, Sercon, you look upset. Good night, Din. Is everything okay?" And he's yeah. like, "Yeah, I'm fine." And I'm like, you know exactly what's wrong, you evil yeah, hag. Yeah, she was, she was taunting him. Yep. So Layla's all excited because <laughs> Chef Alexander's coming. She's like yes. jumping up and down. Peril's like stressed regarding the whole kitchen changes and the fact that they only have two days. But Sarah Khan's like, don't worry. We'll get it done. We'll put a team together and it's going to be fine. And – but and he, everyone's like, who are you? Right. Because his <laughs> stress is all being channeled towards the fact that Edda is leaving. Yeah. Because he runs into Angan's office and he, he's like, when is F.A. leaving? And he's like, what are you talking about? And he explains if when F.A. leaves, Edda said that she's leaving. And if today is her last day, I must spend the whole day with her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like, figure something out, Angan. And he's oh, just yes. panicking. And I love it so much. I love panicky Sarkon. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I love playful Sarkon. Uh-huh. Because he's the destroyer of ovaries. But panicky uh-huh. Sarkon is like this almost like a balm to your soul because you're like, he just loves her so much. and he like does. And look at him like Mr. Stiff, starchy, like composed, cannot hold it together thinking that she will be gone in a day. Yeah. So – uh, I love it. I love it too. So then we have a Melo Erdem showdown. It's just they're just bickering back and forth with each other. But we do kind of learn that Erdem is not stupid because right. he keeps Ingen's entire schedule in his head. He doesn't need the calendar. He mm-hmm. so he's clearly capable of a lot more than he shows. Right. Um, and it's gonna come out now because he's got Melo for competition. Or so they both think. Or yeah, or so they both think. Yeah. I, yeah. Anyway. Um, so Eda and F.A. talk future and she explains that she's going to look for another job because of Serkan. Um, and he's just kind of like, oh, well, I have an idea. And then you co- you covered the whole him, her taking over with the client. Right. So um, there's a meeting in the conference room regarding the whole kitchen thing. 
and Puderil's listing off all this stuff that needs to be done, all these parameters. And can I just say, Karim does such a great job of looking so side, not even sidetracked, just not there. Distracted. Yes. Like, Sercon is very clearly, like, elsewhere. Oh, yeah. Mentally. Oh, completely. Yeah. And, you know, and then I love it because um, Peril's like, yeah, we, um, well, doesn't she kind of go like, Sercon? And he's like, and he does repeat back everything she said. So he's like, I don't understand why you shut up. Like, I was listening. Yeah, yeah, because she's like, "Are you listening to me? Did you hear what I said?" But uh-huh. he's he is paying attention, but he's just also mm-hmm. with Edda in his La La Land. Yes. So, but again, can we talk about the growth here? Because Pearl's like, "We need more help," and instead mm-hmm. of Sarkon being like, "What do you mean we're art life? We we get crap done?" He's like, "Hey, Ferit, you have experience with this because it's in I believe it's a kitchen in a hotel." Uh huh. Um, and so, you know, Ferit owns a string of hotels his family does and so he's like Federique can you help with that and he's like yes and right here this made me go please 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 let these two form some type they don't need to be best friends they don't need Mm -hmm. to be it doesn't even need to be a bromance like he's got Angan and all that but right it would just be so nice to see like that the person he thought was going to be the downfall of everything actually is his ally yeah and I think I touched on this last week about how Celine's really been the one who's the downfall. And then that letter from our listener even confirmed that. Mm-hmm. So, like, it'd just be really nice to see, like, the two of them at least have a good working relationship. Yeah. And Ferry has proven his worth through this mm-hmm. entire show. He's proven that he is loyal to the company. He's proven that he wants the best for the holding. So I – and he's clearly not a villain, <laughs> despite no. everything that's happened. Yep. So I could totally see that happening. Uh, but Angan pulls the best best friend card because oh, he's yeah. like, "Oh, we have to go to the golf course." He's like, "Uh, you know, I can't go. I have to stay here and take care of stuff. So you need to go to Karn. But you know, Edda should go with you because there's landscape stuff to deal with too. Like Angan's play it. He's being the best friend and trying to push them together to have to go to this. Yeah. Uh, He's, he's being a good wingman. Yes, he but, is. But Edda's like, well, I already handled it all. And if you have questions, you can talk to Idil Hanam. Mm-hmm. So Engin's like, oh, I mean, I meant Serkan, you need to stay here with Edda. And uh, remember that bridge plan that we talked about? <laughs> you got you to gotta get that figured out. And Serkan's like, yes, yes, the bridge plan. Uh-huh. Yes, that's correct, Angie. That is a fully real project that uh-huh. we have to talk about. So Edda walks out because she's like, oh, brother. Mm-hmm. And I love it because Angan's like, wait a minute. So are you actually going to like let me go to the golf course and take care of this? Mm-hmm. And again, growth on our robot's part. Uh-huh. He says, yeah, Angan, I trust you. And Edda is more important. Mm-hmm. He's like, as I said, mm-hmm. if you remember, Edda is more important. And uh, I just love, <sighs> I love that we're seeing – I mean, we've seen him grow literally since episode one. Yeah. And we'll talk more about Edda's need to grow at the end of this episode. But I love that we're actually seeing the fruition – like, we're seeing all the fruition of it now in this episode. Yep. And it's – oh, it's so good. So, yeah. anyhow. So, we switch over because Ifair is – ready 
for Alptekin's head to be served on a platter. As are so, we all. Do you want to condense uh-huh. all this too? Yeah, that's what okay. I was thinking. So she heads to find Alptekin, but she instead finds a panicked Safi and a catatonic? Catatonic-ish. Aidan. And she's got her fists up in front of her. She's like obviously upset because of the whole cheating thing. Well, this turns into a whole situation because mm-hmm. Ifair is kind of like, well, I'm really sorry and I obviously feel bad about bad for you and we women need to stick together, but um, I don't want you guys around me or my niece. You guys have hurt her a lot. Mm-hmm. So my best wishes to you. If you ever come across Alptikin, let me know so I can come tell him a piece of my mind. She tries to leave, but at that point, Idan had kind of like woken up. And she sends Safi back after her because she's mm-hmm. like, if this is how things are going, then how are Edda and Serkan ever going to be together? I so, cannot express enough. Uh-huh. That, <laughs> I mean, I called her the first mate of our ship, but I think she's taken over the captain position. Oh, I think so. Because, because she, it's all her workings mm-hmm. in this episode of getting the two of them together mm-hmm. keeping them together for long periods of time and it she's been the one mm-hmm. really orchestrating so much of this yeah i love oh i love it it's just so refreshing that she's not like a typical dz mom mm-hmm. even though she started out as one like yep. oh i love it anyway it's great so they end up <laughs> tricking her to mm-hmm. come back mm-hmm. and they end up tricking her to invite Aidan over to her house and she's like okay only for a couple hours and Aidan's like okay safe get the suitcases <laughs> <laughs> so they go to the house and invade and that is basically a way to get Serkan and Eda together mm-hmm. so there's that so there it is um so now we have um, Serkan kind of walks out and, um, basically, <laughs> sorry, um, Serkan walks out and basically, um, to Edda's desk and he's like, hey, are you actually leaving? Mm. And she brings up the 22nd clause in the contract that he's standing closer than a meter away. Do you have stuff for the number 22? I do. So um, this was interesting because of the contract and because of where they're at right now. So uh, 22, it's it's funny because some of them are some double numbers or uh, two-digit numbers are just taken as the separate numbers. Right. But with things like 22, 33, 44, they're kind of their own thing. So um, – but number two separately resonates uh, with duality and cooperation. And so it's crucial to communication with other people. Career and partnerships will be under the strong influence if number two keeps appearing in your life. Number two is also a symbol of relationships, and it will certainly bring trust and understanding to your emotional life. Hmm. <sighs> mm-hmm. <laughs> When, uh, sorry, let me see. This number could also be a symbol of your sensitivity, trust, spiritual development, and also a symbol of your personal efforts. Mm-hmm. And there was another one. I like had a couple different options. 
But essentially, it was all kind of cooperation, um, problems with work and material life, mm-hmm. social stuff, practical concerns, an air of teamwork and camaraderie. So right now, you know, Serkan and Edda are not cooperating. Right. But, you know, the technical only quote only context that they're supposed to be interacting with anyway is work work life Mm -hmm. so that's what the 22 i feel like that was vague but it's all kind of just like cooperation Uh teamwork which understanding which is technically what she said her point of this contract was was so they Mm -hmm. could coexist as just two human beings exactly um also just honorable moment for sarkhan in those pinstripes Mm -hmm. i mean I mean. I mean. (laughs) I understand why Edda needed him a meter away because all of that just radiating in your presence is a lot. Yeah. Who could – who can stand up against that? Give me a break. (laughs) So I love it because, you know, when she's like, scoot back a little bit. You're not a full meter away, blah, blah, blah. He's like, okay, are you, quote, safe now? Like, you don't trust yourself around me? Like, you know, he's he's so openly flirty and stuff. Like, and with his innuendo and, you know, and by innuendo, I don't just mean sexual innuendo. Just, you know. Right. um, He's just insinuating a lot in his statements. Yes. And so, you know, he's like, well, if you're leaving, we need to go over all of your designs together then in person, like the physical drawings. And she's Mm -hmm. like, okay. And then we'll do that. So then Celine walks in and she basically, you know, she's being all haughty and snooty and whatever. And she's like, I basically like, I know I already know the answer to this, but I have to ask, like, do you, do you and Edda want to be like the faces of this you know, Shining Women campaign, blah, blah, blah. And Sarkhan's like, uh, no, and like walks into the conference room. Yeah. So Celine's like, that's what I thought. Starts to walk off. And Edda's like, um, Celine, you didn't ask me. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, Edda, you barely agreed to give a speech. So I, you know, assumed you would not want to have a more detailed involvement. Yeah. And she's like, so you made a decision on my behalf for me? And she's like, did you ask me? So she's like, okay, Edda, do you want to be part of this campaign for Shining Women? And she's like, yes, I do. She's like, so call them back and tell them, I'm sorry, I made a mistake and made a decision for Edda. Mm -hmm. And she's like, or you know what? Better yet, why don't you just convince them of whatever your next lie is? Oh, I loved that so much. It was so good. And so, of course, Celine has no defense of that. And she's like – well, you're going to have a photo shoot and be followed around all day, blah, blah, blah. So I'll make the call. Bye. And like walks mm-hmm. out. And then, of course, impulsive Edda mm-hmm. is like, what were you – not be your soon, Edda. What are you doing? Like, why did you yeah. agree to this? Now I'm going to have to do this photography shooting, blah, blah, blah. Like, so, um, you know, but this is classic Edda. She's impulsive. And mm-hmm. when the right buttons are pushed, you know – this is how we got the whole we're moving in together. We're getting married sooner too. All this stuff. Like, yes. <laughs> yeah. Celine especially knows how to push Edda's buttons mm-hmm. with all of this. So, um, oh, I lost my spot. In- well, we have – we can skip a couple spots because we kind of went over them. So, basically now we're um, – Sarkhan is in the – he's talking – he calls Layla in and basically – That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's like, you need to follow Edda again. Uh-huh. And she's like, okay, but this is the last time. (laughs) And then he appoints her to get the ring back into her pocket. Mm -hmm. 
And I, I love this because she, she makes this comment. She's like, it was easier to work for you when you were stern and ordered me around. <laughs> but what Sircon says to her is he says, everything is changing, Layla. Even I am changing. I oh, love it so much. I know. Um, and yeah, well, we'll get into more of this at the end too because the whole ch- subject of change keeps coming up throughout the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we get um, – the kind of we kind of touched on this a little bit. The whole scene where he has um, called Jaren. Yes, he tells Jaren his plan to sue. Yeah, um, and, what, and why? And why? Yeah. Now I, I love because you know he does make it clear. I don't care about my image. I care about what happened to Edda. Mm-hmm. You know, don't tell her. Blah blah blah. And she's like, listen, Sarkhan, I'm your lawyer. If I was mm-hmm. just here treating you like Edda's ex, I'd be treating you very differently. Yeah. But then literally 10 seconds later, she walks out and Ed is like, what was that about? And she's like, oh, he's suing the paparazzi because he's upset that they uh, caused harm to you. It, like- well, she she doesn't say that, though. She just says because Edda isn't like happy. She because she's like, oh, is it because of his reputation? And she's like, well, for moral damage. And Edda is like, oh, great. Well, can we open a case for the moral damage he did on me? Because I think Edda is thinking that it he's doing it for the moral damage on him oh see to i me, took Duren it as her wasn't ratting like, him out no i didn't take it as that at all oh, um, okay because she didn't mention like oh because you passed out she well she said, yeah she did it was like because when the paparazzi came and you passed out he's suing oh, them yeah. and so i took but she could have just ex- been more explaining the actual situation not because you passed out but like you know when the paparazzi came and you passed out while well, he's suing them right right okay yeah i took it as she was kind of working her way around it without directly okay. saying it part of me was still like why are you saying anything well yeah <laughs> like you shouldn't have said anything of yeah it. what about the confidentiality with uh-huh. your client uh-huh. but anyway so uh, uh, so then re- we have a little quick moment of Layla sneaking the the ring into uh-huh. Edda's bag. I love it when she's like, where do you get your perfume? Because she's all close to her. And I was like, this would have been the perfect moment for her to be like, you know, there's this local who makes this perfume on. Oh, my gosh. Like, you, and like, I know. It, it would be like Son M's perfume. But anyways, uh-huh. um, I can just pretend that's what happened. So yes. uh, anyways, then. Again, touched on this a little bit. Farid kind of almost smooths things over with Jaren. Mm-hmm. But they're outside talking and she, you know, because he's basically like, I shouldn't have said what I did that night. Like, I was just freaking out. It's not actually true. I just know that I need time because I just got out of a relationship. Right. And he's explaining what we all already knew. Right. So, you know, and she almost starts to believe him because he really is sorry. But then he gets distracted because this dude comes up and hugs Celine and greets mm-hmm. her at the door. And when he looks over to see that, Jaren's like, well, peace. I almost believed you. See ya. Yeah. So – Anyways, um, so so Edda comes in because they have to talk about the eco hotel changes and the mm-hmm. garden project, which is the doctor's house, right? Yes. Okay. Which okay. the fact that it's getting brought back up again, I with know the whole theory we read last week. That was my first thought. Mm-hmm. Like this has to mean something. Yeah. Um. You know when? He, but when she says like that's done too, he says something. That is very double-edged because, you know, he basically tells her, wait a minute, you've completed a project we haven't even started yet. Hmm. 
And that just stuck out to me because I'm like, okay, is he talking about the garden though? Because that very much could apply to them. Like you're finished with something that really hasn't even had a chance to start. Yeah. And, you know, and she kind of mulls over it and keeps talking and showing different drawings. Like she doesn't really stop to acknowledge it. Right. Um, But I – do you well, have screenshots for this? I do. I didn't get that first portion. But, you know, at the end, he says, what do I need to do to make you stay? Mm-hmm. And she is like – I. Does she even respond or does she, she say sa- nothing? She says nothing. Okay. That's what I thought. And he's like, tell me anything, whatever it is, what can I do to make you stay? Mm-hmm. And she says, Sir Khan, you're, you're so unbalanced towards me that I no longer know what to think. And then he says, kids me. Okay. Before we keep going with this, <laughs> listen, this episode has so many parallels to episode 11, mm-hmm. but – Yes, there are parallels, you know, she's supposedly leaving, you know, all this stuff. But we also get to see the growth parallels where 10 episodes ago he said, I don't tell people to stay who already want to leave. Mm-hmm. And what is he doing? He is telling someone to stay who has, who keeps saying she wants to leave. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Chef's kiss. Oh, so beautiful. So she's like, Sarkhan. And he says, didn't you tell me to say don't go if I didn't want you to go? So I'm saying it. Mm-hmm. And she says, why? To get even more disappointed? And then he says, and I was like, this is, of course, perfect because of what Ifair said to her. Mm-hmm. He said, there will be no disappointments. I promise. And she says, every time I believe you, every time. I break a promise I made to myself. Mm-hmm. I break a promise I made to my aunt. But this time, I won't do it. I won't break the word that I gave to my aunt, and I will stay away from you. I will keep my word. So uh, once again, we're seeing Edda with this huge internal conflict mm-hmm. where, it, I mean, she had just she just said it, was it last episode? I don't want to love him. I don't yeah. want to fall for this because she is now the one bu- building up all these walls to mm-hmm. protect her little heart. And it's all of this stuff where she's like, uh, see, now I'm getting confused because I've been watching Virgin River. But one of the characters Mm -hmm. said, she's like, yes, you could protect, you can protect your heart your whole life, but you'll end up living a half life. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's what Edda is doing. Listen, I binged the first five episodes of season two last night after Uh you and I got off the phone. I was like, oh, I need to watch season two. And I was up till like three in the morning watching <laughs> season two. So, but I was, that's exactly what Edda mm-hmm. is trying to do right now. Mm-hmm. And we can't necessarily, I, like, I'm sure we can all sympathize mm-hmm. with if somebody has hurt you, you're not just going to immediately be like, great, let's try again yeah. for the third or the fourth or however many times. Mm-hmm. And after everything, the truth with her family and all of that. So, Again, she's like putting up those walls, putting up those walls, trying to protect herself. Well, and we're less than 24 hours fresh from her sitting and waiting on him, thinking that he invited her somewhere and then didn't even have the decency to show up. Exactly. So um, then um, we have their sad eyes as she walks out of the room. Both of them really Mm -hmm. have the saddest eyes. And um, 
John and Celine are talking. John is the photographer guy who greeted her downstairs. Mm -hmm. And I missed all of this in the live watch and even my first sub watch. Mm. He is completely flirting with her. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, we're alone. He's like, oh, is she she as beautiful as you? No way. (laughs) Well, and funny to me that Celine's like, I mean, I wasn't this part I expected because she's like, oh, yeah, she drives men crazy. Like, um, men can't. Basically, men fall all over her. And by men, she means Serkan. Um, But, you know, he's like, well, she can't be as beautiful as you. And she's like, more, actually. Which I was like, oh, that's big of you to admit. Like, Yeah. Um, because I wonder how she – like, do you mean that physically? Do you mean that you just already know she's a more beautiful person, like, as a human being than you are? Because you're so spiteful right now. Like, Yeah. Um, it was an interesting comment to make. It was. So then, of course – you know, Edda shows up and Celine calls her in and introduces them and he's like all excited. This dude <laughs> yeah. is like so happy to he's gonna get to do a photo shoot with her. So yeah. um meanwhile, all that's happening. So they're getting ready to leave. So as they're walking towards the lobby, Sarkon and Ingen are also walking down the <laughs> stairs. So they're all kind of in the lobby, not together together, but they're all there. And yeah. Ingen's trying to tell Ingen's telling Sarkon all this stuff, like, hey, I'm nerve, you know. Pearl's nervous because, you know, I want her to meet my mom. Well, and, and, and Sirkan is basically like, talk to me, tell me stuff so that they can just stay in the hallway. Right, Because right. <laughs> I said, time for some introductions and a healthy dose of flower-burning jealousy. Uh-huh. Because, yeah, so he's talking through his clenched jaw, which I love. And he's like, yeah, t- tell me stuff. This not- so Ingen's actually telling him real stuff, not just yes. conversation filler. But Sarkon's only half paying attention because he's trying to figure out who this dude is, all this stuff. And, you know, he's like, you know, I want to marry Pearl and have seven to eight children and all this stuff. Meanwhile, he's just watching Edda and John walk mm-hmm. out the door. And then Sarkon looks over at Ingen and he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Did you just say you were going to marry Pearl? Like you're going to propose to her? Uh-huh. And Ingen's like, you're just now understanding that? Like, because he said it like a couple minutes earlier. And then I love so Sarah because he looks at him and he's like, Well, you can't do it in that, like his property brother's outfit. <laughs> Cracks me up. And then he just walks off and he's like, Layla. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, so good. So good. Um, so we get the whole kind of the goodbyes we touched on with FA, mm-hmm. letting everyone know he's leaving tomorrow. Layla gives him this big emotional hug. It's cute and funny. <laughs> yes. Um Duran's doing research, calls yes. the reporter. The reporter basically hangs up and is like, I don't have to tell you anything. Yep. She tries to call Celine, no answer. So then John, it, you know, Edda explains that she is nervous. She's not really someone who wants to be in front of a camera, all this mm-hmm. stuff. And so he's like, well, don't worry. Like, we'll go to my studio. You'll get comfortable. I'll even let you take some photos of me just to kind of get used to it. So yeah. she's like, okay. So that's what they're doing. Like, they're shooting photos and all this stuff. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Layla comes into Sarkon's office and she's like doing her spying job. She's like, here's the address to where they are. Yes. And then as she's handing it to him, oh, I love this Papa Bear moment. So uh-huh. my heart like constricted <laughs> so much at this moment because he's like, Layla, <laughs> put your hand back out. <laughs> so she puts it back out and he's like, Layla, what's on your finger? <laughs> and she's like, He's like, are you engaged? And she's like, uh-huh. And he's like, for how long have you been engaged? And she's like, for a couple of weeks. And he's like, to who? <laughs> and she's like, to Erdem. And he basically is like, we'll talk about this later. Well, and he's all, which Erdem? 
<laughs> she's the one you hate. <laughs> but I love this because he's like, yeah, we're definitely discussing this like at I'll, a later time. Yeah. And when she walks out, she kind of looks back at him and she's like to herself. Uh-huh. And she's like, he's worried. He's definitely changed. Like, yes. Oh, my just little heart. I know. So good. So we get back to the studio and mm-hmm. John basically had Ada take some pictures herself. Like if she has some time with the camera, you know, being the photographer, then you'll, pr- you know, you'll get more comfortable and then we can start our own photo shoot. Mm-hmm. So um, she's kind of getting carried away and she's having all this fun taking pictures. And then um, <laughs> listen, okay. <laughs> The I don't know the I don't know if we have the director to thank for this, if we have the cameraman to thank for this, if we have Aisha to thank for this, or one of her writing know. team members, or a combo of all of those. This moment was I know. so like hair raisingly good. Uh-huh. I, like chills and like body shivers, and it's the cinematography – I don't know. I really I know. loved I know. the cinematography of this moment. Like, I know. So imagine, much. Imagine you have a camera <laughs> and you're taking pictures of some poor schlub who <laughs> is already enthralled with you and you're like, oh, this is kind of fun to take pictures. And then that face leans in to your frame of view. Oh, my gosh. It was – so I, good. The lighting, the whatever filter was on, like all of it. I know. I know. I think my heart would just stop and I would just drop dead right yep. there. The head till, like oh him just looking. Gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> and then when. Because boom, he's there. And then, okay, my favorite part is when she takes the camera away and then she kind of looks down at the camera almost uh-huh. like she's seeing things uh-huh. or like like she manifested him there somehow because uh-huh. <laughs> she you can tell she's like wait wait a second what what he's here mm-hmm. and then i was like yeah girl don't play we can tell that you aren't that mad that he's there oh completely and i love it because poor little john back there who mm-hmm. i feel like this was a bone for us a photographer named john oh totally clearly he's no dv but like, uh-huh. come on. So, anyways, he's like, uh, John Ben, Sen, like, who are you? Oh and gosh. he says, in a, I, th- so many memes came out. And I, even the live watch, I was like, oh, this was very James Bond. Cause he's like, Serkan, Serkan Bolat. Uh huh. I, I text Kristen when I was watching this because I was driving somewhere and I had, don't worry, guys, I was being safe. I was. <laughs> I just had it in my ears, uh-huh. and the second I heard that, I died laughing. I was laughing so hard at this. Oh, oh my gosh! Because so his delivery was perfect. Perfect. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So of course, John's like, "Oh, I'm so sorry. I know who you are. You know, I recognize the name. Blah blah blah." Um, he's like, "Well, let's get started on this photo shoot then. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'll do Edda first, and you know, she's got all these outfit changes because she's representing women in different." you know, um, right. jobs and all this stuff. So um, very reminiscent of EK episode four. And so they're taking these photos and, you know, Serkan's just kind of standing off on the wall, leaning up against it with his – all his magnetism. And 
she can feel his eyes on her and she's like, stop looking at me. Mm-hmm. And he's like, wait, what? And she's like, he's like, wait a minute. And she's like, I'm uncomfortable. And he's like, so let me get this straight. I cannot look at you but because you're uncomfortable. But this stranger over here <laughs> can look at you and you're not uncomfortable. And she's like, he's a photographer. Don't look at me. Like, it's just, yeah. So they're having outfit changes. Yeah. John's being a bit flirty in oh, his yeah. praise with her. And, mm-hmm. you know, so as she's going out, um, you know, she um, she comes back in a pilot outfit, which then brings Sercon to having – a flashback <laughs> of the first episode when they're on the airplane. Yeah. Look, I'm sorry. <laughs> when she came out in that outfit, the way he was looking at her, I was like, oh, okay. Clearly, <laughs> he wants to, Bay wants has to be a, a little of- bit of a pilot kink right there. Yeah. he. I was like, oh. To become he- a member of the Mile High Club. <laughs> The way he was looking at her, I was mm-hmm. like, boy, get a room. Uh, oh, mm-hmm. man. Oh, man. Pick it her up. very affecting. Pick <laughs> her up. Throw way her he over was your shoulder. Her. Uh-huh. So, anyway, and then Ooh. we get a flashback. They both get flashbacks. Well, he gets a flashback, but then his phone rings. Mm-hmm. So, he kind of takes the call. She's taking the phone. And, he's, and John's kind of like, listen, I need you to kind of like relax. And this needs to be more natural. So, do me a favor. Think of a moment that – think of what you love more than anything else, something like your favorite moment. Mm-hmm. And I love this because never in a million years would I have thought that this is her favorite moment. There are mm-hmm. several other moments I would have chosen if I were Edda, think, think, trying to think like her. But she flashes back to the first episode on the airplane after he's helped her through the claustrophobic mm-hmm. moment that she had as he's buckling her in the seat next to his on the airplane – and we pointedly see her leaning in a little bit and mm-hmm. smelling him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this feels very faded mates. Like, like his scent. Like, because well, I didn't. It's, sorry, go ahead. Well, I didn't notice it in the first episode. So it was very clear that they were bringing us back to this moment for a reason. Exactly. Um, yes. Which obviously we'll get to. But I just mean it was like, oh, she's like sniffing his neck. Like, uh-huh. oh, Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, we talked a lot about wolf sniffs. What, uh-huh. Would that be a, a fox sniff for yeah, her? Yeah, <laughs> I think so. I think that's a good way for it. So, and then, of course, John's like, okay, whatever moment you're in, like, this is great. These are the best photos. You look beautiful. You this And Sarah on the phone and has no clue mm-hmm. any of this is happening. Yeah. Um. So, John then starts turning the dial way up. Oh, um, my gosh. So, you know, and again – just really quick, you know, we already know that Idon has wormed her way into Ifair's house, but she basically mm-hmm. te- has also told Safi like we she's only letting us here for a couple of hours. We need to find a reason to like be here all night. So come right. up with something. So and we it, get a quick call of the reporter calling Celine to be like, mm-hmm. by the way, this girl's sniffing at my doorstep again, and you got to back her off. So yes, she's panicking, and Celine's like, everything's going to be fine. Blah blah blah. Yes. So um. John starts to turn the charm dial up even higher, and even Edda is, like, trying to eyeball him and, like – Well, she tells him. She says, maybe you should stop complimenting me because he's, like, you're, like, an angel. The second I heard Melek come out of his mouth, I was, like, Uh oh, boy, you're Mm -hmm. dead. You're dead. (laughs) Yep. 
Well, and he's like, Any, anybody would be lucky to have you as a muse, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, uh, and she's like pointing her eyes to him and then mm-hmm. Khan like knock it off, but he just keeps going. And then she's like, you know, maybe we're just done taking photos for the day. And yeah. so I love it because he's like, yeah, okay. He takes a few of Sercon because Sercon supposedly is also there to be a, the face of the shoe. So John takes like three photos of him and he's like, okay, we've got enough. Yeah. And then he's like, Edda, are we going to go get those hamburgers I told you about? And she's oh like, oh my gosh. Yeah, let me go get my bag. And I was like, oh my gosh. I now listen in real life. A man laying claim to a woman who he doesn't actually have a claim to, mm-hmm. would I would be like, I'm sorry, who do you think you are? But yeah. this is DZ Land, and yep. I love I love it in my romance novels. I love it in this uh, yep. romance because he basically is like, uh, listen, John, <laughs> do you have the exact quotes? I, I do. Okay, because I don't think I took screenshots. Well, the way he says John – is like he's talking to a child. John. <laughs> he's like, Sarah Convey. Well, pl- plus, real quick, during the whole photo shoot thing, Sarah Con had kind of made a comment because Ada calls the photographer John. She doesn't call him John Bay. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, great. We're already to send. Like, uh-huh. already to the informal with each other. You guys are already pals, I guess. <laughs> so, anyway, I-, I loved that little note. Oh, yeah. But – He's like, so, John, the woman you called an angel, Edda, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. in case you forgot her name, Edda, uh, she's my girlfriend. And we're not just dating. We're a real couple. And I love – I loved it in Turkish because he's like, baya, baya sevgilis. <laughs> she is the only woman of my life and I am everything in her life. So mm-hmm. – no hamburgers. There will be no hamburgers. <laughs> and he's like, do you understand me? Cancel. <laughs> and then he goes, now. <laughs> and John, because he values his life, he says, Edda, I have some business. I'm really sorry. So we'll have to see each other some other time. Okay. So I know it's blurry, but do you mm-hmm. did you notice Sercon in the background? When John's saying that, because Edda kind of looks over at him, like she knows that Sarkon's the reason the plans are canceled. I mi- I must have missed it. He has the most satisfied, smug smile on his face. <laughs> it is the best. It's blurry, <laughs> but you can see it. It is, it is so good. It's such an alpha male thing. Oh, my like, gosh. It's so good. So anyways, then – so as they're leaving, he's like, well, I'll go to your house too. Um, I'll follow you there. And she's like, okay. So she's walking like five steps ahead of him and yeah. she notices the ring in her pocket. Uh-huh. But she kind of smiles a little bit. Like she, she does. She's not mad about it. No, she isn't. So anyways, so then we're at iFairs and stuff. We kind of have um, you know, kitchen talk between Idon and iFair, because of course Idon's doing everything she can to procrastinate everything. She's slicing things slowly, mm-hmm. you know, kind of tearing apart the decoration because she doesn't understand someone who has a kitchen with the same decor for mm-hmm. 50 years, who cooks their own food, who cleans their own house, etc. And um so then Fifi comes. Fifi and then comes. There's yeah. talk with Safi about 
the woman who Alptekin cheated with, her brother is supposedly making threatening messages to them uh-huh. and all this stuff. So they're just doing their own crazy thing right now. Yes. So then we get a quick over to Putterol and Ingen. And uh, this happens over the course of a few scenes, but I'll just summarize it. Basically, mm-hmm. Melo and Erdem are being all competitive, like bringing coffee, trying to be the most helpful. And, you know, Angen kind of comments like it was the smartest thing to hire a second assistant because now they're they're both being so efficient, trying to outdo the other that it's like perfect. Um, yeah. And then it it eventually leads to, you know, the suggestion of maybe like a practice um, meeting to calm her nerves. That's and then right. Melo's like, oh, well, actually, because she winds up finding out and knowing that Idon is at their house. So yeah, she's because like, nobody can get a hold of Idon. Right. And Melo's like, I know where she is. Uh-huh. <laughs> so she basically tells him, just come to our house tonight. And he's like, are you sure that's okay? And she's like, listen, you've never been there before, but this house has a revolving door. There's always people there. Like, just come for dinner tonight and you can do your practice thing. So yeah. And that all happens, like I said, over the course of a few scenes, but that's what yes. it boils down to. Yes. So, so me- meanwhile, that Jiren for eat stuff is happening – and so now we're at Edda's house. So yes. she goes home and then Serkan is there and and he's like, yeah, my mom is here. <laughs> and she's like, um, that's impossible. He's like, okay. <laughs> so simultaneously, they're outside having this discussion while Ifair is trying to hypnotize Idon. Yes. Um, and she does wind up finding out that Alptekin really did cheat on her. Yes. She also hears how much both Idon and Serkan love Edda. Mm-hmm. And then she's about to find out if there's really more to her reason for being at the house than just getting away from Alptekin. But the yes. doorbell rings because Edda and Serkan have just finished the conversation that is about to take pl- – that's taking place outside because – Yeah. Yeah. Do you have the screens for that? I do because she's like, okay, yeah, whatever. That's impossible. My aunt would never let your mother into the house. And he's like, let me in and we'll see. And she's like, there can only be one reason if that were to happen, a criminal one. (laughs) He's like, I spoke to Safi and she's not answering my phone calls, but we'll see. We'll see if you're right. Let's go inside and check. And she's like, well, my aunt told me to stay away from you. She doesn't like you at all. He's like, well, what about you? Well, uh, I actually watched this scene with two different sets of subs. Okay. And – What he says is, when has she ever liked me? Oh, okay. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah. So she's like, well, she's going to be rude to you. (laughs) And he's like, that's fine. I'll take take anything she has to give me. I'm ready to accept love too and the mistakes that I made. Just trust me. And again, we get the trust coming in. And I know. Edda turns around like she's storming off, but this time we get an Edda secret smile. Yes, we do. Because she gets a little smirk on her face. Well, because the other translation for when he says that, like, I'm ready to agree with everything she says, I'm ready to hear it, I'm ready to accept, you know, my mistakes and my love and love, blah, blah, blah. But he says, um, all I need is for you to believe in me. Mm. Like, and then she turns around and like makes that face and so i was like oh man um so then they knock on the or they ring the doorbell Mm -hmm. and it interrupts the hypnosis happening so ifair doesn't get an answer to if there's more to the plan for them being at the house and you know ifair answers the door sarkhan starts out apologizing right away and she's like listen this isn't your fault it's your father's fault where is he by the way and he's like i wish i knew he ran off he left 
And he's like, but if I will find it, like, basically, I will hunt him down and deliver him to you on a platter if that's what you want. Yeah. And, you know, and she's like, basically, he's like, I wish I could do more than that for you. I wish I could turn back the clock of time. And yeah. she basically is like, well, what you can do is stay away from us. Mm-hmm. And she's like, anyways, you better go inside, you know, because your dad's already put your mom through enough. And he's like, what do you mean? She's like, mm-hmm. oh, you don't know? She's like, you better go inside and talk to her. So yeah. he goes inside. Well, I fair fills Ada in on what Alptakin did. Yeah. And so they basically – she's like, well, let's give them space to talk then. And she's like, we're going to be kicked out of our own house. And she's like, Hala, this is like a very personal issue. Like, Yeah, like give them some time. <laughs> let's give them some space. But it's just the yeah. irony that she's like, we have to wait outside of our own house while they have this moment. Like they're taking yeah. over our lives. They're not even supposed to be in them, you know. Yeah. Um, um, a quick note, because uh-huh. at this point, we go, we get back to Ferry and Joran talking about the contract leak, and this is when that truth bomb is dropped. Mm-hmm. But I really liked this, because Ferry is kind of defending Celine while they're talking about this, mm-hmm. and he says, she was trying to protect me, Joran, and Joran comes back with, Celine only cares about protecting herself. Yes. And I was like... Okay, thank you so much, Jaren, for pointing uh-huh. out the truth that all of us know. And again, this kind of just goes with Celine being the villain and mm-hmm. her whole motive for everything is just being her protecting herself. Yep. So I just wanted to bring that up because I really no, loved it. No, you're totally right. So um, anyways, uh, let's see. So we're back at the house. Serkan and Idon are in the living room. They've clearly finished the conversation. He knows everything. Right. And – Idon's like, listen, we need to find a way to stay here. And he's like, mom, they're already basically have us halfway out the door. Like, yeah. we can't overstep. And she's like, Let, well, okay. She already talked about tea and dinner. We have to at least stay for that. Don't be, you know, not to be rude. So. Right. I And I just was like, man, I love so much that she's on our side. Like, I love this so much. So mm-hmm. then we get kind of went over to this. You know, F.A. offers Celine an obscene amount for her shares, says the same thing he did to Furry. It's going to get difficult around here, blah, blah, blah. But she's like, yeah, not interested. Okay. Yeah. So then there's a strange dude outside the Yilda's house, but he kind of runs off. So Edda doesn't think much of it. She's just like, all right, let's go back inside. Right. Um, I'll set the table because it's almost time to eat. Uh, Ifer has made Bordek. And she's like ready. Like, let's sit down. Let's eat so they can get the heck out of here. Like, yeah. Um, and so Edda's going in to set the table. And Sarah Khan is already in the living room slash dining room. And he's like looking at photos on the shelf and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And he turns to her as she's setting the table and says, your smile is still the same. Mm. He's like, for example, when you knocked on my door the other night, your smile was just like that. Mm-hmm. And she's like, why aren't you headed back to work? <laughs> <laughs> and he says, I'm waiting for my mom. Do you want me to leave? She's like, well, I would offer you something to eat out of courtesy, but I know you won't eat this. Listen. (laughs) (laughs) I about had a coronary when this scene happened Uh live. And then everybody was messaging you, right? Including myself. Everybody was messaging me. Yeah. Because he's like, oh, I will. Uh Uh-huh. And then she's like, oh, really? When? And then he picks up the Borek and in one crunchy bite Mm -hmm. the whole thing goes into his mouth and his jaw is just love like mm -hmm. (laughs) um and he just eats it and swallows it and she is like hmm another new step in the life of sir Uh uh-huh 
And again, here comes the whole thing of change. And I can't wait to talk about this in further detail. But he says, I said I would change. And she's like, for what? And I love it because, you know, he's been crystal. He's being crystal clear this whole episode. Mm -hmm. But I love that he basically looked at her and said, you know perfectly well what for. Because she does. She does know. And he doesn't need to clarify that. And she says, listen, by agreement, we can't talk about anything other than work. That is, you also can't talk to me about anything other than work. And he says, okay, that's fine. If you want, then I'll leave. And um, she kind of – he walks past her and she kind of has this look on her face like, crap, do I want him to leave? Mm-hmm. And then um, – so that all happens. And then John shows up at the door for a day in the life of Edda. He's supposed to be shooting just a typical day in her life, so get pictures of her house and all that. Well, of course, she's like, I'll start – well, okay. So I don hackles her up and she's like, who's this? Who's our guest, Edda? And she's like – Her and Sarkhan are yep. not happy that this dude is here. Well, and she's like, I Don, this is the photographer you hired for your uh, charity's photo shoot. Mm-hmm. And of course, she's like, come on, John, we'll go upstairs. Bye, Sarkhan. See you later. You're leaving. <laughs> and like they go upstairs <laughs> – and Serkan's like, what the heck? I've only seen her room once. And he gets to see her room. And Idon's like, Safi, what were you thinking hiring that photographer? What? You couldn't have found a worse looking one? And Safi's like, I didn't do it. Celine must have hired him. And then when Idon's like, ugh, Celine, ugh. And I'm like, what lovely, ugh. My, yeah. how the tables have turned. Yep. So, because she's frustrated with Celine. And mm-hmm. so – I love I just took a screenshot of this one line because <laughs> Sarkon says, Safi, I need to stay in this house. You know perfectly well what needs to be done. Do it. <laughs> so Safi is he's on it. He knows oh, yeah. exactly what to do. Mm-hmm. So Melo comes home and she ends up seeing this creeper. Who's just hanging out outside the house. And she calls to him, but he runs away. Right. So she comes in. She tells Safi and Sarah Khan. She's like, there's a guy hanging around the house. I don't know what his deal is. And so Safi's like, oh, hang on. I'll go chase after him. So Safi runs after this guy. And he is the one who called him. And Safi told him to come. Uh-huh. And so he's like, he's he's like, you told me to hang out here, but people have seen me, and I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. He's like, hang on, just come here. He's like, okay, make an angry face, and he uh-huh. takes a picture. And then he sends, so, like, vicious texts to himself, because basically yes. this guy was hired to be the fake brother of the woman Alptakeen slept with, like, basically coming looking for revenge type of a thing. So trying to point, paint a picture that they're in danger so they can't really go back home or go anywhere. Exactly. Um, but I want to point out, and I'm sorry, I don't have – I don't think I have the screenshot. So I'm very sorry, but major props to the wonderful human being who sent me this info. She pointed out – she's like, do you notice this episode is the first time and it happens at least twice – that Sarah Khan, because, you know, Melo walks in the door and she's like, Anishte, you're here. And, you know, we know oh, she's been yeah. calling him that. But he calls her Melo, not mm-hmm. Melek. Yeah. And I and I don't know if that was really just a slip on Karem's part. Like, he just says that because that's what everybody else calls her character. Or if it was really meant to be a pointed thing, like, it's a more close relationship with them. Mm-hmm. Like, that she that he's calling her Melo. 
and not Melek. Her, fr- but I just I loved that, and I wanted to point that out because yeah, as we know, I adore their relationship. So, yes. um, anyways, so, um, Fa now, so we have all this stuff going with the supposed stalker and all that stuff. Yeah, because Safi is kind of just the fear monger, and right. then this leads Serkan to be able to say, "Well, I can't leave you here. It's unsafe." Uh-huh. So he's now had he now has his inn to stay the whole night. Um, so they're doing all the pictures and they're like figuring everything out. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, Fa is doing his whole blackmail, figuring all of this. And apparently him pushing Celine into a corner, quote unquote, was all due to Baba Ane's request because he says, as you requested. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, well, and I will say too, I actually really enjoyed the scene where he's in there um paying off the paparazzi and like getting Fatma to like admit everything. Right. Because this is the first time we've kind of seen a more dark and sinister side of him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, this would have been cool to actually see a few episodes ago, not just like in one of his final scenes. Yeah. Um, it made him more interesting to me. But I also understand why he was kind of just a flat one-dimensional character because he's just a pawn for somebody else. Right. Um, but I kind of was like, oh, you're causing all kinds of trouble, but I really enjoyed this side to him um being all sinister and like well you know i know better than you you didn't dig in the trash and you didn't this and how about you know what here's some money that i know is way more than you were probably paid to keep quiet and also i'm gonna need this recorded like Mm -hmm. i don't know i just loved it because then yeah he uses it to blackmail celine later um yep about it very easily <laughs> very easily so yeah. um now we're back at ifairs um the narrative continues um so yeah at this point melo fifi and ifair are all if, if i'm correct this is um uh, well they're kind of this when they're, kind of, they're kind of starting to suspect well, or, not not quite yet. Basically, oh, they're yet. just they're talking about sleeping arrangements because it's like, well, if they're going to be here, where am I going to sleep? It's That's Fifi right. and Melo and Ifair in the kitchen, just kind of stressing. Yeah. Fifi kind of brings up maybe that John can take pictures of her food for her Instagram, you know, since she's an influencer now and in mm-hmm. high demand. Um, she's basically like, just keep Idon out of my kitchen. You know, they're talking about how the photographer's just there to take photos of Ada's day and all this stuff. So we switch back into the living room where that's happening. Mm-hmm. And Melo's like, you need to come in here and see this because yes, Sarah Khan right. is like, hmm, he's taking pictures of your entire day, huh? And he's like, well, you spend 80% of your day with me, so shouldn't I be in some of these photos? And he's like, right, John? And he's like, uh, yeah, then come here. I'll take a picture of you guys. So Sarah Khan mm-hmm. scoots closer to Edda at the table. And she's like, this, oh my gosh. This I is, loved this. This is my favorite scene, in the, which I know – Trust me, I know what the final scene holds, but this is my favorite scene in the whole episode because he ha- – well, let me read it. So, like, he's just so – he does not care who's around. He does not care who hears because mm-hmm. he is just like, I am – tell. he's truthful. He's honest. He's open. There is no – like, he's just like – I don't know what the right word is, but – I just love what he did here in this scene. Like, yeah. um, you know, because she's like, what do you want? <laughs> and he's like, you know perfectly well what I want. Mm-hmm. And John's like, oh, hey, so how long have you guys known each other? And 
Ed is like, a couple of months. Mm-hmm. And he's like, how long have you been together? And Sarkhan's like, well, the day we met, we got engaged. <laughs> and he's all, John's like, oh, I meant like with work, but okay. <laughs> and Ed is like, we weren't really engaged. And then Sarkhan says, well, it became real. Mm-hmm. And she's like, um, when did it become real? And why was I not informed of this? And he's like, you know, perhaps you forgot because you took your ring off. And she's like, oh, you mean the ring that keeps falling into my pocket again and again like a curse? Like a curse. <laughs> I wonder who planted it. It's all not me. <laughs> and she's like, how can you still call us engaged? And he's like, okay, yeah, it might not have been real, but – and she says, but – he says, we fell in love with each other. Mm-hmm. Now, you guys, everyone is in the living room listening yep. to this. And he's not whispering. No, he's not. And he says, now, will you give up on our love? And she's like, oh, and then be in for more deception and disappointment and lies. And he's, and John's like, maybe we can get back to the subject of work. <laughs> and he says, listen, I lied to you only once. And even then, it was because I didn't want to hurt you. Mm-hmm. And she's like, it doesn't work that way, which she's right. He's, she says, you can't destroy a relationship and then put it back together. And he's like, he says, you're right. There's only one important thing. And she's like, what's that? He says, you. You. And he's like, Edda, everything will work out. Everything. Let me settle this. And she's like, what are you still talking about? What are you still talking about after last night? After you made me wait for hours? Do you even know? And he goes, nah. (laughs) Yeah. So she's like, oh, crap. I let it out now. Now I've – she's basically spilled that she was there, that she did go because mm-hmm. neither of them had admitted that to each other because, of course, if either of them had admitted that, then they would have had to admit that – that, quote, weakness. Mm-hmm. And I, my note after that was, wow, that scene because she just takes off to the kitchen and he, of course, comes and runs right after her and yeah. follows her right into the kitchen. But the whole thing of, yeah, him just being so loud about his feelings to her. And so he follows her in and he's like, Edda, what is going on? Mm-hmm. And she's like, don't bother anymore. Please just leave me alone. Everything is over. It's all over. And he's like, Edda, I was waiting for you all night yesterday at that restaurant. Mm -hmm. And again, I love that he's just out with it. Yes. She's like, oh, yeah, you were definitely waiting. And he's like, yes, I did wait. She's like, no, I was waiting there for you, Sarkhan. He's like, that's impossible because I was there. So they all kind of figure it out. She's like, Mm -hmm. I was there and you didn't come. He's like, Edda, are you kidding me? What restaurant were you at? Maybe you were at the wrong place. Mm -hmm. And then they'd say where they were, and obviously they were at different places. So she's Mm -hmm. like, they realized that they both were duped and that Mm -hmm. somebody else slipped. Because he's like, okay, well, was it the place in the envelope? Mm -hmm. And she says, yeah, it was. So she, they're kind of like, well, who would do this? And he's like, well, I have an idea, but we'll think about that later. I am so glad, like, because I hope this is still just continually snowballing into the mm-hmm. whole he- – Celine does not get the benefit of the doubt for anything anymore. Yep. Like, Yep. And so then he's like, wait a minute. So <laughs> you went to the restaurant. Oh, his 
face. So, like when it finally, when he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Now that we've cleared that up, I just realized uh-huh. you came and waited for me for at least two hours. Uh-huh. Like, he's like, so you decided to give me a chance? And she's like, not in terms of a love relationship. <laughs> That's what you said. He's like, yes, I told you so that you could help me become an even better person. Oh, my gosh. And she's like, Sarah Connor, I already don't know what to think. And he – Listen. And okay. Go ahead. If this is not a Freaky Friday moment uh-huh. that Serkan Montic Bolat is about to say what you're about to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so tell me. What does I, he say? Well, I would bet that there are at least two scenes in the first five episodes mm-hmm. where Eda herself – is the one who said these exact words to him. Mm-hmm. because But I didn't have the time to go back and look. But I have an inkling. Because he says, then don't think. Don't think. Feel. Mm-hmm. I know that you feel the same as me. And therefore, I tell you, don't think. Be by my side. How would you go to... Sorry. This is like... So the, the, the subs are bad. But yeah. essentially, he's... What he's saying is just be with me and wherever we go from there is completely up to you. Just okay. be with me. Like just be next to me for it. I know that it was real because it was like it says how would you go to the end? So let's go. But yeah. when I think I, I think I scrolled through Miriam's live translations and it basically was like, listen, where we go from there is completely up to you. Like you can lead the way, but just be next to me when we're doing this. Like mm-hmm. where wherever we're going, let's do this together. So so they are having a moment and Melo interrupts because mm-hmm. the quote scary man uh-huh. is back. <laughs> so <laughs> Oh my gosh. So Serkan's like, I'll go take a look <laughs> because uh-huh. he's gonna go protect his woman from a fake threat. And um Do you know I didn't catch this until again my my third watch. Oh but as John's like snapping the photos and Edda's commenting about how she's just worried because Serkan hasn't come back yet. Uh-huh. And yep. I was like, oh, so you're distracted because he's out chasing a scary dude and he's not back yet. Yep. So at that point, Engen and Pearl come <laughs> and Serkan sees them. He kind of intercepts them and um, he brings them inside and Engen is being kind of shady about why they're there. Mm-hmm. But he's like, you know how we talked? It's in relating to that. So, of course, all Serkan is thinking is that they're going to get married. Right. So he's like – and he has flowers and chocolate, uh-huh. which was a totally brainless thing for Angan to do. He just mm-hmm. was like, I don't know. I was at the store and I grabbed these because it seemed like a nice thing to do. Right. So <laughs> they come in and Serkan has an idea of what is supposedly happening right now. Mm-hmm. And that this is all leading into a whole lot of chaos. Yeah. There is no way to really describe th- – I really wish I could ask any of them, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, were you given a script to follow for this? Or were you just told like, hey, here's the situation. Now go at it. Because right. the way it's so chaotic and they're talking over each other and making all these assumptions, I'm like, I feel like if it had been super scripted, it would have come off super scripted. Like, right. And this chaos felt so real and confusing. Like, It's perfect. It's perfect. It's so perfect. So before it really blows up, 
I just love that when Sarkon comes back in the house oh with them gosh. and he's like, oh, we have two more guests, by the way. Um, he's like, oh, Edda's in the kitchen? Okay, it's time for me to drink water. <laughs> and it's funny because when he walks in there, he's, uh-huh. he's like, hey, wait, what? Like, what's going on? Where's your photographer guy? Like, And she's like, oh, crap. He probably is still around here taking pictures. She's like, I forgot she's all like, about him. I forgot him. all about him. Because I was worried when you didn't come back. And he's like – you were worried? He's like, would you have cared if I hadn't come back? Uh-huh. And they start having this intense eye flirting moment. Yes. Because they're not saying anything, but they've got these ridiculous smiles on their faces. Mm-hmm. But well, And she's like, and I have to give you your due today because I'm very surprised. Mm-hmm. And then they start, yeah, fully staring at each other. Uh-huh. But then – um. Uh, I, I don't know what breaks it up. Something. I don't know if it's anything specific. We just kind of get back into the chaos because Pearl is is stressed and then Melo and – Oh, it's because Melo, Fifi, and Ifair, they go into the kitchen where yes. they interrupt them. Yes. And Melo and Fifi think that Angan and Pearl are there to help ask for Edda's hand. Yes. And then Ifair starts panicking and she goes out. Meanwhile, Serkan is telling Idon that Engin is going to ask for Pearl's hand and he wants Idon to do it for her. Right. Because Pearl's not close to her family. Mm-hmm. So then everybody comes back into the living room and it's all this chaos because Edda tells John that she's single and Serkan's like, WTF, Edda, why is she why is she saying that she's single? And well, Idon's like, why is she saying that she's single? Well, <laughs> and then he's like, Edda, what are you doing? We have guests. We, we have guests. Uh-huh. Can you get them refreshment? <laughs> and she's like, I guess I'll make coffee for everyone. So then she goes in the kitchen to make coffee, which then furthers the narrative that Ifair, Fifi, and Melo are, are suspicious of that they're there to ask for her hand. And then Ifair yes. is freaking out because she's like, if I say no, she'll never forgive me. But if I say yes, that's crazy. Like, uh-huh. it's just all this craziness. And then um, I, you know, I just love it because, again, we get another Melo and Nishte moment, like, as they mm-hmm. cross paths. And so, anyways, it's just nuts. So she's coming out. It's craziness. It's chaos. It's confusion. She brings out coffee. Everyone's starting to drink coffee. Idon starts with the whole speech that she's supposed to make while Angan's just trying to, like, do, like, a mother-son greeting with him and Pearl because uh-huh. he doesn't – it's one of those whole friends. They don't know what they know that she knows that we know. Yes. Like, because Angan's just under the impression, as is Pearl, that they're just practicing meeting a mom, but Idon's about to ask for her hand. Well, as she starts to do that, Ifair's freaking out because she thinks that she's about to ask for Edda's hand. So when she's like, what? You can't just ask for Edda's hand like this. And then Idon's like, wait, I'm asking for Edda's hand? I want her. I really want her. And then Safie's like, I never ask for anything. Please, while we're here, let's just ask for her. I love Edda. And, Sarah- and then, and then <laughs> Sarkon's like, we're not here for Edda, mom. We're here for Pearl. And and Edda's like, well, if it was for me, why wouldn't you want to? Uh-huh. <laughs> and and he's then like, what? what? Like, yeah. So she's all like, wait, you don't want me? And he's like, wait, what? Oh, my gosh. It's just nuts. Okay. So then basically it all start, starts to find – well, first the guy, John, is like, hey, this is nutso. Let's all take a group photo. Well, because Angan tries to calm everybody down. He's like, wait a second, wait a second. This is all a one big misunderstanding and we need to talk about this. And then, uh, the, yes, John is like, let's take a picture. Uh-huh. And then everybody <laughs> – stands up 
And and Serkan slash Karim puts a very possessive hand on Edda slash Hande's hip. Uh-huh. And it's very nice. Yes. And even one of the photos when they're, like, looking at each other and laughing, like, mm-hmm. <sighs> anyways. Um, so, yeah, they take the po- photo. Basically, it's later on in the evening where people are starting to trickle out. Ifair yes. is kind of laughing about the whole thing because it's so ridiculous. Idon's like, you thought we would come and ask for Edda's hand empty-handed? We would have brought truckloads of stuff. Like, trying, yeah. like the bolots don't come empty-handed. We would have brought all kinds of gifts and offerings to, you know, because it's part of the tradition. Mm-hmm. And and then Serkan's snark here. Oh my gosh, I loved it because Ifair is just deliriously laughing mm-hmm. to herself with the, after having been through all of this stress. Mm-hmm. And Ed is like, "What kind of engagement? Can we close this topic, please?" <laughs> and Serkan's like, "I didn't even think about it." <laughs> She's like, "Yeah, and you can't." He's like, "Oh, don't you want to?" She's all, "Hmm, try it." He's like, if I were you, I would want to. <laughs> Listen, if I were you, Edda, I would want to also. Right? Yeah, so I, I love just love it. that. He's like, if I were you, I would want to. <laughs> so good. So everyone's kind of trickled out at this point. And Serkan's like, okay, mom, you know, you just come to me when you've come to yourself. I'm going to mm-hmm. leave. See you later. So he walks out and Edda actually follows him out. And yeah, she so- walks him out. And I love it because they're outside the doorstep. This is another one of my favorite scenes. Um, and he basically is like, well, he's like, you made me live an incredible day again, just like in a movie. <laughs> and she's like, we always have days like this. She's like, but you broke the contract. We talked about everything except work. And he's like, what did we discuss besides work? And he's got this like super flirty smile on his face. And he's like, well, speaking of work, Chef Alexander wants to grow fruits and vegetables on the restaurant's terrace. Now, listen. The entire fandom <laughs> went crazy uh-huh. at this line because Karem has now very famously made a statement basically saying, you don't mix your fruits and vegetables like professional life and personal life, mm-hmm. like when denying really a relationship with him and Hande. So people are like, oh, does Chef Alexander want to mix fruits and vegetables <laughs> on his <laughs> Oh, anyway, so I, I was to- wondering what the whole outroar uh-huh. like uproar was with this because, because I yeah, was like, I don't get it. Because he has said, yeah, you don't mix your fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but listen, <laughs> I know quite a few salads that have a very lovely blend of fruits and vegetables in them. So yeah, obviously the producers and the director and the writer also think that that's a good blend. So, mm-hmm. so he's basically like, hey, can you handle seedlings for that? And she's like, yep, I'll deliver them myself. And he says, excellent. And then he's like, you know. Let's do this. I'll pick you up tomorrow. He's like, now this is just a translation flub, but I loved it because he's like, let's ship together. And I'm like, yes, let's <laughs> let's sail this ship, shall we? But he really just means let's deliver it together. And he's like, I'm not saying that to bother you. And she's she's like, okay, okay, come and pick me up. He's like, okay, excellent. Now, I love this because she didn't make – no, I can handle it myself. I can this, I can that. She just agrees. So mm-hmm. clearly this evening has affected her, the things oh, that they've yeah. talked about, the things that they clarified, uh, because I wasn't expecting her to so easily just agree to him coming to pick her up for work. Mm-hmm. And God bless it. It's been episodes since this happened. 
And I'm so glad it's back because then he says, well, then, Yigajalar Edeyoldas. Mm-hmm. And she says, Yigajalar Serkonbolat. So good. And she's all smiley when he's, like, walking away. So I'm like, so, ugh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So we get to the next morning. Edda's getting ready and Milo runs in to notify her because Ifair and Idan are hilariously asleep together on the couch. Uh-huh. So the girls are just laughing about it and it's really funny. Um, so Edda is getting ready. She has to leave because Serkan is picking her up because mm-hmm. they have to head to Chef Alexander's. So she – I was like, Edda, your carriage awaits. <laughs> I know. Oh, and Ifair tells her, hey, none of our food got eaten last night. So take some of that hunkar bandy, I think is how you say it, and take some to Chef Alexander. And she's mm-hmm. like, okay. So there's a container yeah. of that sitting outside with her too. Yes. And Aidan and Serkan both have ideas about bringing a Michelin-starred chef some eggplant. Uh-huh. <laughs> but Edda's like – Sorry, this is what we would do if it were anybody else. So mm-hmm. we're going to do it for him too. Mm-hmm. So this is where we get uh, the <sighs> whole vegetable conversation. Mm-hmm. Because. Do you have it from when, Con- he, when he gets there? Yep. Because okay. he says, Gunaiden. Mm-hmm. She says, Gunaiden. And she smiles at him. Mm-hmm. And he says, I missed. And then she kind of looks and he goes, this place. <laughs> Tamam, Serkan. Tamam. He's like, the beautiful air, the trees. And then he kind of smell, uh, smiles. Oh, my gosh. That smile so yeah. good. Because he's like, yeah, the beautiful air, the trees. I really missed this mm-hmm. place. <laughs> and so he asks if she needs any help. And she's like, no, no, I've got it. I divided the seedlings. We've got lettuce, basil, and he knows the type of lettuce. He says, ah, oh, Lola Rosa. Mm-hmm. And she looks at him like, dang boy, you know this lettuce? <laughs> and then he asks what it is, the, what another thing is, and she's like, oh, uh, and she explains that it's the leftover eggplant. So do you want to go into the research that everybody sent? Yes, I will read. A lot of them sent very similar things. Um, so thank you again to everybody. Uh, somebody somebody also sent what basil was, even though it's not really as highlighted as the Lola Rosa, since that's what they both said the name of. Right. Um, but I loved it that it um, that it originally had a meaning of hate and mm-hmm. became embraced as a symbol of love. Mm-hmm. So. I was like, hmm, enemies to lovers, okay. Mm-hmm. So is that is that the one where I think it's like in Italy, if somebody accepted basil from another person, they were it was kind of like a proposal. Uh-huh. They're okay. destined to be married. Yes. Okay. Um so then Lola Rose Lola Rosso, right? Uh Lettuce was believed to first be cultivated by Egyptians and was considered to be an aphrodisiac. (laughs) The leaves in this. Mm -hmm. Sorry, the fact that that's what Serkan knew the name of. Uh So, you know, that's basically the the big indicator because it's also it later, you know, had uses for medicinal purposes and things like that. But I mean – (laughs) <laughs> it's a symbol of sexual sorry i'm being 12 <laughs> it's a symbol of sexual prowess a promoter of love 
in short, it basically has sexual connotations. And we're like, okay, Aisha, what are uh, you trying to tell us here? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, um, there's a lot of other stuff like about basil and things like that that you can, yeah. you know, very easily look up. But yeah, and there's you can look even deeper into the Loloroso, but really what it comes down to is it definitely has some very intimate connotations to mm-hmm. it. So yeah. I love that it's the thing that they both um they both knew the name of. Yeah. So um yeah. Okay. Do how much do we how much did we get into the other stuff. Like, do we need to finish anything off with Jaren and Celine and F.A.? Okay. Because so, this is all kind of finishing right now. Yeah. So they're getting packed up to go to the car. Well, okay. I do want to point out, too. I just love that he's like, what's in this container? And she explains that it's the dish. And he kind of laughs like, you want to give this to a chef? And she's like, like you said, well, yeah, like that's what we would do just for anyone. And I love it because she's like, what's your problem with it? And he's like, no, no, it's not a problem. He's mm-hmm. like – it doesn't really have to do with rules or if you should or shouldn't. He's like, it's just such a typical act of Ed de Yildiz. Like, yep. And he means that with every ounce of endearment. Like, yep. So he's like, um, you know, can I help carry – like, let's t- get this stuff to the car. And he's like, if you want, I'll take the, I'll take the dish for the famous chef. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's like, I'll carry it. Um, <laughs> so, okay. So they're packing up the seedlings. F.A. officially blackmails Celine now. He plays Correct. the recording for her, so she basically knows, like, I'm screwed. Mm-hmm. But Jaren and Federi are in the conference room again. This yes. is when she officially calls and leaves a voicemail for Sercon, like, hey, mm-hmm. we've got things to talk about. Federi has something to tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she says, okay, like, Federi, is there anything else I should know? Is there anyone else who knows about this besides just you and Celine? Yes. And the and and Fatima he, and he tells her Edda. Edda knows. And right mm-hmm. at that moment, Celine is carrying a box from her desk. So she overhears all of this. So she immediately goes back to her office and starts writing a letter and yep. to Sercon and leaves it on his desk. Now, yeah. here's my thing. Mm-hmm. Because we all know she's gonna try to use this to uh, you know, make Ferry and Edda look like the bad guys. Yes. But what should have occurred to her was, wow, all this time Edda had this giant bomb to drop and use against me. And even when I was being a world-class hag mm-hmm. to her, she still never did it. Yep. Wow. I'm so grateful. What a terrible person I've been. Yeah. But, but no. that's not what is going to occur to her. No. She's just going to think about how she can save her own hide. Yep. And how she can use it against them. Yep. Now, I will say this. It does – It again, we'll get into this, but from the fragments, it appears to backfire on her. Mm-hmm. Um, also – Well, and she already – like her having that box, it looks like she's leaving. Yeah. It looks like she's packed up her stuff and she's quit and she's mm-hmm. done. I wonder if she already signed her shares over to him, though. To mm. F.A. because he blackmailed her before she had this information. Right. Because that kind of takes the wind out of those blackmail sales because Sarah now going to find out no matter what. Right. So it doesn't really matter if F.A. is the one that plays it or if if it's from Ferry telling him. So part of me is like, I wonder if she's still going to be a retainer of her 5% shares or if she had already given them to him before stumbling upon this information. Mm. That's because a good question. it really does undo his blackmail work. So it does. Just something to ponder. Um, yeah. So. I have a so, I like have a whole page just on this I final know. scene. It's ridiculous. So there they are supposedly heading to 
where they need to go to work. But mm-hmm. Serkan instead takes Eda to a restaurant where Chef Alexander is going to prepare a special meal just for them mm-hmm. because he's like, I told you that I was going to take you to eat. So that's why we're here. So it's this whole adorable date that he's orchestrated for her. And it is wonderful. So mm-hmm. she is excited, but they're like, okay, well, do you know where the restaurant is? Let's go and see. And they see that it's on the 25th floor. So yeah. he's like, okay, well, let's go. Um, he, what? So, Sorry, somebody sent us 25. Did you? Did oh, you get I didn't even. Because they also pointed out there's only 14 floors in that building. It for real, like in real life. So it's like they clearly made it like something way higher because they could have just made it the 14th floor. That still is a lot of floors to climb. Yeah. Um, So uh, Marie, Marie and Constance are the ones who have been sending us the killer crazy like rain theories and the whole doctor house phone call stuff. They're sisters. I love it. They're sisters. Oh, my gosh. Like I (laughs) I just love it. it. So – Marie sent us about – well, she sent us 22 also, but you'd already looked that up. So mm-hmm. 25 says, the, in love, the number 25 brings you new adventures. Relationships you have with your current partner are going to get more turbulent and exciting, but in a good way, which I think mm. is uh, an allusion to what's – or foreshadowing to what's to come next week based on our new character. Mm-hmm. Um, if things weren't as fun as they used to be – which things have been rough lately, Mm -hmm. this number is going to bring you exactly what you need. Hmm. For those in serious relationships, this number brings positive news when it comes to crowning your relationship. Symbolizes engagement, marriage, and the expansion of your family. Hmm. The the dynamic of your relationship is going to be changed completely, and you're you're both going to be happy that it did. Hmm. So So good. So good. Because, yeah, even when he gets in the elevator – they cut the buttons off because there's only up to 14, so they can't show okay. him pushing all the buttons from 25 down. Okay. Um. Anyways, so, sorry, continue. No, that's okay. So, <laughs> the fact is, he automatically is like, let's go, you know, I, I didn't bring you here to suffer. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, no, no, you go in the elevator, I'll climb the stairs. And maybe this is when he says, I didn't bring you here to suffer, mm-hmm. like, this is supposed to be a nice thing. And she's like, no, it's fine. It's fine. I'll go up. It's not a problem. And he is like, well, what if you tried the elevator? Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, I can't. You know that I can't. And he says, Edda, at that point, we didn't even know each other yet. And you still survived it all on the plane. Mm-hmm. She's like, I know, but I'm scared. I feel bad. I feel terrible when I'm in these spaces. You don't even understand. And he's like, okay, then I'm not going to insist. I'm not going to push this. He says, then let's just go back to work. Mm-hmm. And then she stops him. He's like, he's fine with it. He's right. like, let's go. It's not a big deal. We'll yeah. do something else. And she's like, wait, let's just try. He's like, are you sure? Because we can change our mind. We don't have to do this. He continually reassures her, mm-hmm. we don't have to do this. Are you sure? And she's like, yes, let's try. So we obviously know what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, I'm with you. I'll, I've pressed every floor. And the second you want to get off of this 
elevator. We can get off. I even love that he backs in the elevator mm-hmm. as he's pulling around because it puts him in the position of vulnerability because yep. she's clearly the one in the vulnerable position because she's yep. the one dealing with this very real um, yes. anxiety. Yeah. Uh, I, I hate calling them disorders, but like, right. uh, you know. But and it so, is an anxiety. Yeah. Yes. So I, I, I know you have a lot and I no, know no, that okay. we have a whole thing from Hannah. I don't know how much you decided to read on air, but okay. So I, I text Kristen <laughs> last week. This was before the episode even came out, you guys, mm-hmm. because after seeing the fragment, mm-hmm. all I had was this one thought. And I was like, if this is true, then I have to write it down so that I can mention it on the podcast. And what do you know? I was right. Because this was my theory and my prediction, and this was what I wrote on my notes. And I was like, I have to write this down so I don't forget it. Mm-hmm. But what I wrote is, guys, the elevator is a metaphor. The elevator is a metaphor. Mm-hmm. And I, <laughs> it's a metaphor of trust, yeah. okay? Can we all just get that out in the open right Mm -hmm. now? Despite whether people might be pissed off about this scene, it is a metaphor. Yes, it is. So that's all I have to say. (laughs) We keep talking about trust in this whole episode. It comes up over and over again. It has Mm -hmm. been coming up over and over again. And that is exactly what we're seeing. Mm -hmm. She has decided to trust Serkan. And she gets into that elevator. Yes, she does. And rides up with him. So there, that's, that's pretty much all I have to say. All been waiting for growth on mm-hmm. her part because I think we can all agree that the growth has been a little unbalanced. Yep. For the last few episodes. Sarah Khan has been the one doing all the growing, all the work. Well, not yeah, all the work. For a lot of episodes. But, yeah, but... for a lot of episodes. Which he needed to. Because, yes. you know, and again, I will say this again. I don't like the word change because right. he's willingly evolving is how someone had put it. Yes. Because, again, we have all these examples of how this is – a lot of the stuff is how – a lot of this stuff is how he's always been. Zuzu has strong opinions, you guys. Um, a lot of this stuff is how he's always been. I mean, from the get-go. I mean, even – I was thinking about stuff he's done. Since technically before the show even started, like Layla's surgery stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But even in the first episode, okay, she is the one who handcuffs them and causes that whole entire situation because of her impulsivity. Yep. And – but he sends her the first aid kit because their wrists got like, you know, bruised, whatever, you know, had – yeah injuries from having metal clinked around them um all day long mm-hmm. and he sent her a first aid kit like not even knowing her yep and i didn't see that in the i didn't grasp that when we actually recorded episode one i was kind of like what the heck was he sending a first aid kit for but i was like oh because that's just who he is he's thoughtful he knows yep. that if his wrists were jacked up and messed up hers probably are too mm-hmm. but she was the cause of that situation and yep. yet he was still thinking of her, a woman at that point who drove him up a wall and he was like, get this psycho out of my life. Right. Who was more trouble than anything. Mm-hmm. Sent her a first aid kit. Um, and then, you know, we've got just the fact that like even him like putting his jacket over her when they're outside, like building her up at that engagement party, like, you know, saying like yeah. when he's. And- 
And he had his little jerk moments, of course. Oh, 100%. But yeah, there it, it was always there. Uh-huh. It's and, always been there. And just like we've talked before, how many people have said, this is a Sarkhan we haven't seen in years. This mm-hmm. is a Sarkhan we haven't seen in so long. Mm-hmm. And yes, he is probably thinking, oh, I'm changing, I'm mm-hmm. changing. But that, I, again, I, I agree with you. I feel like change isn't necessarily the correct and descriptor. Not, and not that people can't change. We can and do right. change. So I'm right. not saying that change is bad. But I these are just changes. These are good changes. And yes, Edda is the catalyst for them, for right. him. But – not the she, cause. But she's not the cause. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just want to – but I do like that it seems like in next episode we are getting her questioning that because I do think it's important that we uh, aren't trying to force our partners into a box that is not them. Yeah. Um, because and turning them into you, people that they're not. Yeah. And if you enter into a relationship being like, well, I don't like this about them, but I can change them. Um, not gonna happen. So. Right, right. And you know, and things that she's always like, she admires and respects his work ethic and what a great mm-hmm. worker it is. She's not like, she, yes, she does show him there is more to life than work. Like, you know, when right. that whole FaceTime phone call and she's like, listen, you're at home now, shut the computer. It's time to go sniff a lemon and mm-hmm. kill everybody's ovaries while you do <laughs> yeah. that. Um, you know, but she wasn't telling him like, you don't get, to, you shouldn't be a hard worker. You shouldn't this. But she's just right. telling him like, there are boundaries for it. You can still be a hard worker, but also know when to take a breath for yourself. Like, yep. you know, she's not like, you just work, you just work, you just work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, yeah, I just want to, I think a lot of people have been very hard on her. So I also yeah. am like, I want to defend her too. Yep. Um, but also admit that, yes, it is her turn to grow. And mm-hmm. she really needs to put that trust that he has earned now in my opinion (laughs) into action into action and this was the first step in that was like you said getting getting on that elevator and the way they do this whole scene the build up the slow burn of it because you know we get them stopping at every floor Mm -hmm. as things are progressing because you know he's telling her like listen you can get off at any time so they only have to make it between one floor before she can just say this is too much and they will get off yep She's providing her every opportunity of safety for that that feeling of well-being. Yes. Yes. And, you know, and he's telling her this whole time, okay, close your eyes, face me. He's holding Mm -hmm. her. You know, he's holding her hands or, like, her arms. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and he's, like, he's telling her, okay, remember that day on the plane? Like, this is a time we got through this. Um, And I love that because when he's saying – when he is bringing up the plane – she starts to do exactly what she did on the plane. She gets closer to, like, his neck area. Yeah. And is smelling that mm-hmm. and, like, using that to ground her, which we'll get more into that. Yeah. Um, You know, and then – but she kind of is still – you know, she's not just fine. She's still very nervous. She's still, you know, and she, she kind of pulls back and is, like, shaky. And he's like, okay, open your eyes and just look into my eyes. Yep. And, you know, look at me. Remember us. Dang, the door's open. You know, they're still there. He pulls her close into the hug. He's playing with her hair. He's still telling her to breathe. Her nose is kind of in the crook of his neck at this point uh, when she's sniffing him, just like in volume one. And she's kind of rubbing her cheek against his um, and, you know, and it's just this whole calming thing. And he's asking her, are you okay? Are you okay? Mm -hmm. She pulls back and looks at him. And then, you know, we have this slow progression of – 
their lips meeting and he like devours her bottom lip and it's wonderful and we all freaked out and I also love how they close the episode because the elevator doors close on them kissing and then they yeah. also have like the frame close for the yes. uh, screen which I just really appreciated so I wanted to mention that um and that's how the episode ends so um yeah like I do you have any more to add to that no I no, that was my main thing. Was, the metaphor. Yeah. For the yep. levels of trust. Um, so now we are lucky enough to have a a licensed therapist on retainer. <laughs> and by on retainer, meaning she is a wonderful human being who freely <laughs> gave us this information. Um, and, you know, and so and she basically was like, if you want, like, I can kind of break down what that whole elevator scene was from a clinical perspective, mm-hmm. uh, which I very much appreciated. And, you know, and Hannah includes this disclaimer and she says, listen, I'm not my, I'm not an expert in claustrophobia. I'm coming at this from my general clinical knowledge of anxiety and how we treat it. And so obviously we have to keep in mind, too, that the treatment and technique that works for one person does not work for everyone. Mm-hmm. I'm also recognizing that this is a television show, a.k.a. a work of fiction that's made for our entertainment by the same people who expect us to believe that a house can be rebuilt in two days uh-huh. and, a, and a pizza e- egregiously mishandled <laughs> will survive intact. Yes. So what is anxiety? Anxiety is a a psychological, physiological, and behavioral response to a threat to your well-being or survival, both perceived and real. Mm -hmm. So brain stuff. Think of your brain as a – I loved this metaphor. Think of your brain as a closed fist with your thumb tucked on the inside. Your your wrist and forearm represent the brainstem, which is responsible for basic bodily survival functions like breathing. Your thumb on the inside is your limbic system or the emotional part of your brain. Some people call it the lizard or the caveman brain. Your fingers closed over the top is your cerebral cortex, uh, which is um, responsible for things like conscious thought and impulse control. Your brainstem is automatic, the limbic system is super fast, and the cortex works the slowest. It's why you pull your hand back from a hot stove before your mind even recognizes that's hot. Mm -hmm. When you feel anxious or panicky, your limbic system has picked up on a threat or what it thinks is a threat and fires up like a rocket, basically taking over the driver's seat from the thinking part of your brain and revs up the brainstem so that your body is ready to flee, fight, or freeze. This is great when you encounter a bear in the woods, but not so great when you're in an elevator on your way to a date with your soulmate. And she says, did you know that elevators are statistically safer than stairs? Um, And then she sent me the stats, but I forgot to uh, screenshot those. Hmm. Uh, And as long as the limbic system is firing on all cylinders, the cerebral cortex can't re-engage. So we have to calm the limbic system back down first by treating it in the emotional and feeling language it understands. So calming down. To regulate the limbic system, we often use some of the same basic techniques we see Sercon coaching Edda through. Grounding and breathing. Uh, Grounding is a technique used to distract you from what's making you panicky. Instead of getting lost in the what if, future scenarios, or flashbacks to the past trauma, grounding engages you in the present moment so that you know you're safe. Sensory exploration is very common. Naming something you can hear, feel, smell, see, taste right here in this moment, which is literally what she's doing with Sercon. He's also telling her to breathe with him. Not only does the breathing itself help, but when your emotional nervous system has taken over, it can be hard to consciously direct your breath. But have you ever noticed that you take a deep breath after someone near you does? That's because our brains are wired to respond to the people around us. So if someone you're in tune with is relaxed and breathing deeply, you're more likely to feel relaxed too. 
It's a lot sexier on the show, obviously. Hmm. But I do the same thing with my clients, minus the hugging and kissing, because that would be illegal. (laughs) Let's also talk about physical touch and hugging. Science tells us that when you get a hug that you want, it reduces stress hormones, increases the good hormone oxytocin, increases circulation, uh, and relaxes your muscles. I can only imagine that being hugged by Sercon slash Karem has got to have double the calming power of a normal human hug. Yep. Here's a couple reasons why I'm completely okay with the elevator scene from a mental health perspective. One, Edda had agency. Sercon offered but was ready to walk away. Edda's the one who said she wanted to try and had an out every few seconds if she needed it. Yep. It's not like she was lulled into a completely relaxed state or anything. She was clearly still nervous as all get out. And I'm hopeful, based on what happened with Idon's agoraphobia, that Edda getting control over her claustrophobia will not be dependent on Sercon. Hmm. Just like Idon doesn't need Edda to leave the house anymore, I think it's reasonable that Edda will get in, be able to get into an elevator without Sercon in the future. Though that will reasonably take some time, but in DZ land, probably meaning two days. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I also think that the whole thing shows narratively how safe Edda feels with Serkan, despite mm-hmm. her recent assertions that she doesn't know if she can trust him. Um, uh, sorry. I think it makes sense in the progression of their story. So that's, you know, basically her very summarized version of yeah. that, which I just appreciated because I think it offers great perspective. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, obviously, again, do with that what you will. That's not obviously a technique that's going to be used for everyone. But the way they laid the groundwork for this, it is what Edda wanted and needed in that moment. So yep. um, just to maybe help put any nerves at ease about that. Yeah. So um, obviously, we love that it ended with him kissing her. What a great grounding distraction. I mean, come on. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's where the episode ends. We all cheered and screamed. I was so happy. Uh, many people in the fandom told me I'm not allowed to wash the cardigan I was wearing because it's the one I was wearing in episode 11 also when they <laughs> kissed. Uh, so it's apparently my good luck cardigan for Ed Sear kisses. But um, yeah, so let's mull over these uh, for just a few minutes before we end up before we end off about the fragments, the new girl. Uh, Sercon's willful evolution, as we uh, have heard it called. Edda's need to do the same thing, which I personally think that new girl, uh, I always forget her name because we keep calling her different nicknames. Um, Is it Balja? Balja. Uh, um, I think she's going to be the opportunity for that to, again, put that trust into practice. Like, mm-hmm. she literally just trusted this man with her life, with her biggest fear, literally. So for me, I'm I'm like, to, for her to put her trust into Sercon over some rando girl who has decided to set her sights on him because her horoscope told her her soulmate has the initials SB, like, I'm not worried about it. Like, there was a lot of um, extreme reaction one way or the other about yeah. her introduction, but I'm I'm personally not worried because I think it's going to be a catalyst for us to finally see that growth that everyone's been asking for from Edda. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just me. So I said, I don't think Huma Jr. stands a chance. And again, like we say every week, you can't trust a fragment. And a lot of people have pointed out when he's walking to the door to answer it and when he actually answers it, his clothes are in two very different states, mm-hmm. which could be a continuity issue, honestly, because we did even have a continuity issue in the kissing scene. Um, 
we 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 went from one part where he's actually leaning towards the kiss but then it's the next part of it he's clearly not and his lips are closed looking at her and then finishing the kiss in the next one so yes it could be continuity right or it could be just them piecing together that fragment to look one way and really Which be something else. They always do. And guys, the whole point of a fragment is to get people talking and uh-huh. to get viewers interested in the upcoming episode. This was something that Julia pointed out. And I was like, that yeah. that is the biggest, most important point that anyone can remember when mm-hmm. watching a fragment is that the whole purpose is to churn up people talking, to churn up interest, and and to make people excited and get them ready to watch the upcoming episode and to where they're like, oh my gosh, I have to see what's going to happen. Uh-huh. Well, that's the the saying? There's no bad publicity? Like, so even if everyone's all up in arms talking about it, they're still talking about it. Exactly. So I'm in your camp with this. Mm -hmm. I'm not really worried about it well and they're the- both so out of control head over heels for each other yes that we know this isn't going to be any sort of legitimate threat to their relationship right we know that guys well and on top of that like i again because that whole second fragment basically featured her mm-hmm. like my thing is like yeah you're trying to build her up to be something bigger than she actually is i personally think she is just a stepping stone for um, grandma. I think they're still having trouble casting someone who's the right in the right age group to come in and be grandma because, again, yeah. we're operating in COVID times, even if we're ignoring it in DZ land. Like, right. it doesn't exist in that fictional world. Right. It is a real thing. So, you know, and there have been other elderly actors on other shows who have taken leave mm-hmm. because they're more at risk. So I can understand the trouble finding someone. Yeah. Um, so I think she's just going to be a stepping stone for that. I think they're making this way bigger than it's actually going to be. Um, Yeah. And, you know, and here's the thing. Let's just say, because, you know, let's just say she does, she is showing up at his house inappropriately late at night. And for whatever Mm -hmm. reason, he doesn't slam the door in her face and say, we can talk at work tomorrow. This is inappropriate and unprofessional. And she does come in the house and Edda does show up there with them there. How nice would it be that she doesn't just flip out and walk away but actually Sarkon saying oh yeah this isn't what it looks like she showed up uninvited and unannounced and her being like i believe you yeah. like because i feel like all this stuff with trust and belief we're leading to that for a reason yeah um also it seems refreshing because clearly we don't have official confirmation of this but it seems very obvious that he is not that upset by the fact that she kept the contract thing a secret mm-hmm. but instead he's like Hmm, well, you have a punishment then because if I get punishments for breaking the contract, you get a punishment for this. But the punishment seems to be she has to grant him three wishes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so clearly he's not like not speaking to her, yelling, screaming, you know what I mean? Which I mm-hmm. love that so yeah. much because obviously the typical easy route to go would be now he's mad that she lied to him right. and he's going to be like, I'm going to give you a taste of your own medicine that you gave me. Which he is, but not in a way that you would think. It's like, oh, well, right. I have punishments. Well, now you have punishments. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of his wishes is that she surprises and shows up one night unannounced. Like, come on. Yeah. Like, I think we're going to see a lot of playful Sircon in oh, this next episode. 100%. And hello, let's not ignore that pottery scene. Uh, yeah. I mean, his... Maybe his, that was one of his wishes. Mm, his scruffy <laughs> neck is like all up in her 
mm-hmm. crook. I mean, ugh. Yeah. So we've got a lot of good stuff coming up. I'm very, very much looking forward to how this all plays out because, again, the fragments gave us a lot and also nothing at all. So yeah, um, that's all of that. Um, anyways, so that's our that's our episode. That's our breakdown. That's our two cents, whatever it's worth to you all. Um, but overall, I truly love this episode, every moment of it. So yeah, me too. Um, it all felt like it was actually building towards things that we need to build towards. So um, anyhow, so that's it for me. And uh, I know Ashley has a meeting soon, so we'll sign off. But like always, you guys, you know where to find us. Links are everywhere in the episode notes for um, our social medias, our website, our merch store, uh, our uh, affiliate friends, North America 10, who always have all kinds of great resources on their website for not just Central Kapama, but a ton of other DZs and actors. So uh, check that out. And of course, we'll see you all on Saturday for the live watch of 22. And when we are back next week to break that episode down in detail. So until next time, good or shitters, post to call.